This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Call anytime. 1-300-01-1170 or text 0457-736-736. This is Mornings, right here on SEN. And good morning. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Adam Peacock in for Matty White, who's still sunning himself at his beach shack, mid-north coast. Beautiful view to the wide expanse of the Pacific Ocean. That's where Matty is right now. So I'm in here and looking forward to the next three hours as well. There's plenty to talk about, as always, as uh, everyone gets back to work and gets back into the swing of things. And the tennis draws closer with the Australian Open. The cricket goes on. Of course, there's rugby league stories going around. There's always rugby league stories, some big football news as well. On the show today, we're going to have a deep dive into the upcoming Australian Open with Australian tennis great and friend of the show, uh, Wally Masseur. Um, looking forward to having a chat to Wally. Uh, Christy Doran, we'll talk about rugby union as well. And the, the bottom, get to the bottom of this. Will Eddie Jones get his way into the Wallaby setup for this year's World Cup? It doesn't sound like it. Dave Rennie wants nothing to do with it, but might be taken out of Dave Rennie's hands if his bosses say that we'll have Eddie involved somehow. We'll get uh, Christy on the line. And, um, yeah, there's, there's not a thing that Christy Doran doesn't know about rugby union. So we'll get to the bottom of that story. And we'll talk a bit of A-League's uh, football as well with Tommy Aquilina. We've got our human of the day. And we want your input as well on any topic uh, we bring up, especially in the first 20 minutes, and get your take on the big news of the day. 0457 736 736. Or the call line one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. This is mornings. I'm Adam Peacock, and look forward to your company over the next three hours. Was that a bit of Aerosmith and Run DMC? Yeah, I had a bit more time today. Hey. I realised what was happening today. So okay, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll see what I've got to. Like not, it. not sledgehammer again. Give me a little buzz. Yeah. Give me a little. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Mark. Yeah. Thank you, mate. Thank you, mate. Hey, uh, let's get to the top stories of the day. And probably the, the big story from a, a football sense is uh, that the at Melbourne Victory have been sanctioned and sanctioned heavily after the uh, the well, riot, the pitch invasion on December 17 of the Melbourne Derby. Disgraceful scenes down there at Melbourne at Amy Park when 150 idiots stormed the pitch. James Johnson, Football Australia's CEO, was front and centre yesterday and delivered the sanctions. I just want to say uh, in general comments that the scenes at the Melbourne Derby were the worst witnessed in Australian football during the A-League era. We cannot let this happen again in our game. So we belong, we believe that a strong sanction, both financial and also sporting, is warranted and justified in these circumstances. These sanctions are reflective of our desire to remove this behaviour from the sport, and in particular those that act in such a way, and we want them out of our sport, as we've shown in our individual bans that have been issued. So that was uh, James Johnson laying down the law yesterday in front of the press in Sydney about the Melbourne Victory sanctions. So the sanctions are a $550,000 fine. Now that's broken up a few ways. There's $100,000 of that 
has been suspended. $50,000 will go to the costs of having to replay the game or continue the game. It's going to be picked up in the 22nd minute with Melbourne City leading 1-0. Why didn't they just cancel the game and give the three points to Melbourne City? Well, I think there was a legal factor in that and that the City fans were a little culpable on the evening as well. There were five flares thrown from their end onto the pitch. So if they just gave the game to City, well, Melbourne Victory fans, well, they don't have many legs... uh, they don't have their full two legs to stand on at the moment, but they could have justifiably said, well, hang on a minute, we weren't the only ones carrying on like clowns on that particular evening, which was the truth. So they're going to replay the game from the 22nd minute in April. $50,000 has to come out of Melbourne Victory's pocket to pay for that. There's a $150,000 fine, upfront fine for uh, Football Australia. There's a $100,000 fine, um, which goes towards the refurbishment of the damage caused at Amy Park. It was extensive. The LED screens went over, a number of seats. There was all kinds of damage to the fence as well, and the infrastructure there at Amy Park. And uh, another $100,000 fine, which has been ongoing, which has been the cost of playing the games with the sanctions that were in place in an on an interim basis, which basically locked out all Melbourne Victories fans as well. The 10-point deduction is a suspended uh, deduction. I reckon they're a bit lucky. I honestly believe that they should have got a, a three-point or a six-point um, deduction straight away. It would have only been the second time in Australian domestic football history that that's happened. That happened uh, to Preston back in 1992 after a riot in Melbourne when Preston played South Melbourne, uh, and there was a pitch invasion on that occasion, and there were horrible scenes. And in kind, incidents like that help set the scene, unfortunately, for the NSL and saying, you know, from the wider community that the NSL is just for um, clubs and and fans that don't want to behave. It's got this horrible kind of spectre of violence about it and this, that and the other, which... I oh, know on the top level it looked like the case, but the NSL was the greatest breeding ground for players that we've seen in Australian football because we ended up with a team like the 2006 Socceroos who all came through the NSL. But the NSL had this perception that it was something that, you know, on the top level it looked like it to the general sporting fan but wasn't quite the case. Now that's what Football Australia and the A-Leagues really want to avoid with the A-League, but unfortunately perception is so hard to change, quick to get, so hard to get rid of that now they're back to square one in a sense with some of these fans. Now, victory will be hit hard by this. Uh, they have a great atmosphere at ground at, at their home games, probably the best in the league when things are humming there, 20,000 people all singing um, and getting behind their side. It's just that pocket of fans behind um, the ground that won't be allowed to sit there because of the 150 idiots who took the law into their own hands, literally and basically ruined it for everyone else. So it's going to be harsh going to Melbourne Victory Games and and hopefully not, but maybe other A-League games around the place, including a Sydney derby, will again feel like fans are walking into a conflict zone and it's going to be a a complete overreaction to the actions that were taken uh, stupidly by those fans on December 17. You might out there feel a different way, 0457 736 736, especially with the regard to the overreaction to the actions of those fans, but that's the case. It doesn't need, football games don't need 600, 700 cops to go along, but that's what it feels like when we're going to these games. But now it's out of the administrator's hands because New South Wales Police, Victoria Police, in particular Victoria Police, want to get involved with the running of these games 
and making sure that something like that doesn't happen. I can't see it happening again. The more likely scenario is for those idiot fans that they'll just find something else to do with their time, which will be to go to an MPL State League game involving Melbourne Victory's youth team through the winter and causing carnage there. So hopefully that doesn't um, happen. I don't think it'll ever happen again at an A-Leagues game. I don't think Melbourne Victory will allow it to happen. They've already disbanded their active supporter group, original style Melbourne. It'll come back in some form, but it'll have to be done with proper consultation and communication with the club. So that's the case with those sanctions out of the worst thing I've ever seen at a football game in Australia, the worst carry-on I've ever seen, and hopefully it never happens again. But unfortunately for the for the foreseeable future, uh, it certainly won't be allowed to happen again, and there'll be different atmospheres at games, A-Leagues games in Melbourne. Anyway, uh, quickly before we move on to other sports, some uh, EFL Cup, which is the the League Cup, Carabao Cup, it is called with the sponsor's name. Newcastle United, sorry, I'm biased, 2-0 over Leicester. We're into the semifinals. We want to win a trophy because we haven't won one in, yeah, a long, long time, basically. So Newcastle through, they beat Leicester 2-0. And Manchester United, that pokey little club um, from Manchester, 3-0 over Charlton. So Manchester United through to the semifinals. Newcastle United through to the semifinals. Uh, the other quarterfinals will take place tomorrow involving Southampton hosting Manchester City and Nottingham Forest hosting Wolves. The Australian Open build-up continues. The tennis. And this young man, well, he's not so young anymore. He's turning 30 this year, but he's young in tennis terms because he's barely been able to get onto the court. Jason Kubler. Please keep an eye on Jason Kubler. He is so good to watch. He had a good win last night. This is a part of it and his reaction. Well, that is the essence of tennis excellence in the opening hour. Jason Kubler, take a bow. It was a tough one, you know, I've never played on this court before. So uh, at the beginning, I actually found it quite tough to see. So returning the serve was quite difficult. Um, but then as uh, the sun went down and we played under lights, it became a little bit easier. So um, well, I struggled a bit to, to, to get really into his service games, but I was able to hold my service games. So, um, you know, I'm pretty happy. He's very happy, uh, Jason Kubler. So he's he's now inside the top 100, and he is one to watch. Like we we I don't know, top line with uh, there's that line again. I've got to stop using that phrase. He used it about 15 times in the first 13 minutes. That's the end of that particular line. But uh, Jason Kubler injured for fun, six knee operations, 14 cents in the bank at one stage. Former world number one junior can play the game. Wins last night in Adelaide against Martin Echeverry, the uh, the Argentine, who we haven't heard much of, but he's a very talented player and he's going to win a stack of matches, especially on clay. So Kubler gets through. Keep an eye on Jason Kubler. Also keep an eye, of course, on Nick Kyrgios. 19 or 28 minutes, the tickets. Mm. Might have to get Dom's ticket on that. They, they, we'll get the exact stat, but the point is they sold out really quickly. His exhibition match for charity on Friday night against Novak Djokovic sold out in no time. That's the pool of Nick Kyrgios, and he knows it. He knows his own value right now, and that's why he can do what he wants. That's the way tennis works. 0457 736 736. Are you going to watch that match on Friday night against Novak Djokovic, the two best buds, all of a sudden, 12 months ago, they brought back together 18 months ago, hated each other's guts along those lines. Kyrgios Djokovic. Sell out in no time for Friday night's exhibition match. Alex Demonor had a win over Dominic Team yesterday at Kuyong. Chris O'Connell and Storm Hunter, unfortunately, out of the Adelaide International. As mentioned, we'll talk to Wally Masseur a bit later on in the program to get an in-depth look 
at the tennis. NRL, we'll get some more news a bit later on. The Broncos, a bit of news about the Broncos. It continues with Selwyn Cobbo. And also the Dragons, who's going to replace their uh, hammer attacker. Incredible. Anyway, we'll get to that. Formula One, there's some news as well. Are they going to let in an 11th team? Well, Formula One, uh, other teams, the other 10 teams said, yeah, no worries. By the way, if you want to come in, you're going to have to pay a billion dollars entry fee. I've been to nightclubs like that. And cricket, there's plenty of cricket news as well. The strikers moved to third on the ladder, on the uh, the Big Bash ladder with a 20-run win over the Melbourne Renegades. Joffre Archer is back playing cricket. And there's some news going around about the Mancad family who are split about the Mancad. You're with Mornings with Adam Peacock. Get involved. 0457 736 736 or the call line 1300 01 1170. And it's good to have your company and we've got plenty of news coming up and uh, talk topics involving some tennis and cricket, a bit of rugby league as well a bit later on. But now it's time to uh, switch back to football because this man, I think he's got some training. So we had to fit him in right now. It's uh, Central Coast Mariners defender Thomas Aquilina uh, joining us with the Mariners absolutely flying in the A-Leagues at the moment there's a bit happening in football Tommy how are you mate good morning I'm good mate how are you I'm good I'm good you so you got training today no in about 45 minutes okay so we better keep this snappy shall we um <laughs> got to do your activation and all of those things mate why are the Mariners who are known as the team that give the kids a chance the most they've got the lowest average age in the competition you're not meant to be playing young players and be successful at the same time, but you are. Uh, why are you second on the ladder, in your opinion? Uh, we're confident. We're having fun. Um, it's a good group, man. It's a very talented group as well. Um, we've got gifted gifted individuals, but more importantly, as a collective, uh, Monty's really drilled in us that it's a team sport. So um, as a collective, we're thriving off that. We're confident. We're having fun with it. Um, and... We're all healthy, to be fair, as well. That's big as well. You've got a reference point about what it's like somewhere else. Um, <clears throat> and theoretically, it's meant to be a bigger club, Western Sydney Wanderers. Now, obviously, you enjoyed your time there, but you're now up at the Mariners. Just speak of the Mariners and, and what the feeling is like there. Do, do they? Do you walk into the joint and it feels like a smaller club than uh, some of the others? No, I wouldn't say a smaller club. It literally just feels like a family. All the coaching staff giving you a handshake and a hug, how how are you, personal life, um, is everything good, players, it's the exact same. So it's pretty much a brotherhood within the change room and then it's a family outside. So it's always tight-knit, it's always personal, it's always how are you, how are you going, how are you feeling. Um, so that's the biggest thing. And then you take that onto the pitch um, and you know your brother's got your back, um, you're going to fight for each other. So if you have those components, you're always going to have a successful team um, and it's showing at the moment. Andy Banal is involved up there. Now, for listeners who don't know who Andy is, he's lived a fascinating life. He's got his own book out at the moment because it deserves to be – it's a story that deserves to be be written. He's a a former Socceroo, tough tackling, um, central midfielder, played in England, played in Spain as well, ended up David Beckham's agent, had a few issues off the park, um, got into some things uh, that he was putting into his body that he shouldn't have, somehow came through that. And now he's up at the Mariners in a mentorship role. He's close with the owner, Richard Peel. But um, he's there at the training ground a fair bit, I understand. He's, uh, he's, is he, what, chief vibes officer or something like that? Is he around the training ground? or? Uh, yeah, he's around every day on game day as well. Um, he just 
he he mentors all of us. He's got the experience overseas, international level as well. So he's always picking and choosing when to talk, when to chip in with advice, how to do this, how to do that. Um, he's helping the coaching staff with a with a lot of things, but he's also helping the club off the field with um going to the Glen, uh, mentoring rehab clinics, um, helping helping children. Uh, so he's doing a whole collective, which is great for the club and us players as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, has he? Have you got around the campfire and asked a few? Come on, Uncle Andy, tell us some stories about uh, your time with Beckham in Spain at Real Madrid. Yeah, there's been a lot of story time here and there around the sheds, and uh, we've been lucky enough to go to the Glen a couple of times and see a couple of uh, patients there. Um, so yeah, we've got a lot of stories from Andy, which are unbelievably funny and entertaining yes. in itself. Um, no, nah, but he's a great character to have around the change room. Absolutely. Uh, what about yourself, mate? So you, I understand you went up to the Mariners on trial a few years ago, um, and didn't get in. Have I got that story right? And then you ended up back at the, the Wanderers and debuting for them? Um, yeah, I think it was the first year, uh, Alan Stadjic and Naz came up here. I'm not too sure the year. Um, Due to financial reasons and stuff like that, it was a bit hard to to get a deal over the line. Um, so I decided to go back to Wanderers, where I was in the NPL with Arthur Dillis for a while. Then Carl Robinson and Kenny Miller came over and gave me my first shot. So I signed a two-year scholarship deal there and actually played a lot of footy in those two years, which I was really lucky and fortunate enough to to um, play. And then I thought I thought it was time for a change. I was at Wanderers for close to six years since the academy started. I want to kind of be uncomfortable and want, uh, Nick Montgomery and um, Serge gave me the chance to come up here and it's actually been really, really amazing. The lifestyle up here is unreal. Football team's unreal. So I'm really loving life up here. Yeah, and why not? And and there is a pathway there. Like The, the Mariners have made it abundantly clear and this is where I reckon a lot of A-Leagues clubs should um, really hone in on is the revenue stream that you can get from selling players overseas is unlike any other sport. Cricket can't do it. Rugby league can't do it. Rugby union can't do it. AFL can't do it. But football can. So you go there with the full knowledge that if you perform, they won't have any hesitation in, in blocking your path overseas if a deal came in. Is that your understanding? Uh, yeah, 100%. You just look at the players that they've sold within the last year, two years, three years, five years. But you look at the Socceroos squad, um, majority of them were at Central Coast once upon a time with Mitch Duke, Matt, Matt, Matty Ryan. So the pathway is there to go overseas and they've made it clear with every player that if the, if the deal is right, the club's right, um, we're not going to stand in anybody's way. Garan Quall is the latest to go. Uh, he's lobbed at Newcastle, but he's going to be on loan to... To Hearts, what was playing with um, this kid, like the eighteen-year-old who, uh, yeah, got a little bit of talent, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, no emotion actually. Like he comes into training, jokes around. Um, you just nothing gets to him. Eh? It's no emotion on his face. Um, he just wants to play. But that kid is talented. Like you look at training and some of the things he does. He just you low key just say like, wow, like. You kind of wish you just had that in your locker, but um, I think it's just important for him to stay grounded and get as much match minutes as he can to continue growing. He's still very young, which everyone I think forgets. Um, 
and maybe put a little bit too much pressure on him sometimes. But he's still he's still a kid at heart. Um, but no, he's very talented. and He's still got a long way in his career to go. What's your goal in football? Kind of scary. Yeah, it is kind of scary. Absolutely. Uh, what's uh, your goal in yeah. football? Back to yourself. Uh, I think just for me to be consistent, get as many minutes on, under my belt and playing games um, and to perform well. If you perform well, there's always things at the end of the road that happen if you play well and consistent. So that's just my biggest goal is control I can control now. But obviously in the bigger bigger frame, bigger picture, you look at national teams, you look at overseas um, to kind of explore. But yet again, you've got to perform to get those you got to play so it's just turning up every day to do those do those daily tasks well it doesn't sound like anyone at the mariners is getting ahead of themselves even though they're shocking everyone else in the uh, the a-league men's at the moment sitting second on the ladder you've got another game this weekend against macarthur uh, tommy aquilina wish you well mate and let you get on the roller and get activated for training good luck <laughs> i appreciate it thank you for having me no worries uh thomas aquilina there from the central coast mariners who yeah as mentioned Absolutely flying, and uh, they've got your man as well, Mark Jason Cummings, in uh, in there. Miss you love. I love the cum dinker, the cum dog. Yeah, Jason Cummings. I I I moved to Australia in in uh, April last year. Yeah, and again, as we know, there's no second teams. Yeah, but <laughs> but <laughs> I'm rooting for specifically <laughs> Jason Cummings. <laughs> yeah. uh, any Scotsman, if Ziggy Gordon was still playing, I'd be I'd be. <laughs> Supporting him as well. He's so. playing at Sydney Olympic this season. He is, yeah. So, so up, yeah. up the Sydney Olympic. You've got a third team <laughs> now. But, yeah, Jason Cummings is up there. And, and the Mariners, as mentioned to Thomas, the Mariners are doing it right. So you, you look at um, other sports and, yeah, commercially, your big footy codes and, and cricket, your established sports in Australia, they're always going to be powerful. They're always going to get the big TV rights. So how does football do it differently in this country? Well, it does it differently by being a part of the rest of the world and being part of the worldwide transfer system. How do you do that? You give young kids a go. The Mariners, I'm telling you, in the next five years, they are going to sell player after player overseas. And other clubs, they've got the opportunity to do the same, but I'm not sure that they're going to give the opportunity to young players in their first team. The, the, the players need first-team minutes in order to prove themselves at a professional level here in Australia, the A-League level, and then go overseas. You look at that Socceroos squad, 21 of the 26 have had some playing time in the A-League. And then they go overseas, the majority of them. They get some playing time over there. They get better. They get selected for the national team. Everything rolls into one. We ended up we end up with a situation like we did at the 2022 World Cup with the Socceroos. So, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the long game. And Thomas Aquilina is part of it at the Central Coast Mariners. And they're doing really well. We're off and running here on Mornings with Adam Peacock for your Wednesday. We're back in a moment with plenty more. And welcome back to... Uh, Mornings with Adam Peacock, and usually we do this a bit later, but I'm that excited about this today. It's human of the day. It's something I've introduced this week, and obviously um, I'll patent it and and yeah, loan it out to Maddie when he comes back and and make my ten percent, twenty percent maybe from that. I don't know if it's too much of a stretch, but human of the day is someone who was born or something that big that happened today, uh, or someone who unfortunately passed away, and run through some notable moments about their lives or that particular moment. Well, actually, it's just become birthday of the day, unfortunately, because this is the third in a row. I had a look at um, some big moments that happened today, this being January 11. Uh, not much, nothing, nothing much. There was there was someone who passed away today that was pretty famous, 
uh, Sir Edmund Hillary. Um, but, I mean, in terms of a, in an audio sense. He claimed a big hell. Yeah, and he had help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, had the Sherpa with you. No, he, yeah. he was a fantastic adventurer, obviously, and, and did very well for himself. He was the first man to climb Everest, along with his Sherpa. Uh, but like audio wise, it was like, oh yeah, Edmund, he walked a bit and then walked a bit more and then kept going. Air got really thin, got to the top, pinned a flag. How good's this? Took a photo, took a selfie and got back down the other side. Great achievement though. But it was really hard to go past the third straight birthday. So we've had George Foreman yesterday. Um, it was our first one again. I can't remember Monday. I've had a mind blank already. It's only Wednesday. Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Oh, it was Jimmy Page's birthday. So that was just an excuse to play some Led Zeppelin, basically. (laughs) However, today is the birthday of the man who got the pipes going and gets everyone pipes going when it's played, especially after a few uh, few drinks. Here he is. This was Bossioki this morning as well. Historic, historic moment. Keep it going for the chorus. You could just, you, you close your eyes and you just look at the drunk cousin at the wedding and you go, yep, that's Daryl. It's either that or you're the voice that's played these days, it feels like. But, um, yeah, the horses is a staple of any big celebration, it seems, especially throughout Bogan, Australia. Um... Daryl Braithwaite, happy birthday, 74 today. Daryl Braithwaite, amazing life. Um, grew up in Melbourne and then moved to Sydney. It's getting going. Found music, just stumbled into it. Had a great voice. Happened to front a band called Sherbet, who were massive in the 70s in Australia. Absolutely massive. And then he it splintered and he went his own way and got into the solo career. And, you know, he, he trundled along. Had a couple of songs, like One Summer, great song as well. Um, and a few others. But then, in 1991, this came out. But it's not a Daryl original. (laughs) This came out a few years ago and stunned everyone. It's a cover. A cover of whom, I hear you ask. Or maybe not ask, but I'm going to tell you anyway. An American singer by the name of Ricky Lee Jones co-wrote the song with Walter Becker, in the late 80s. Now, Walter Becker was one part of Steely Dan, soft rock rockers through the 70s and, and 80s. But, um, yeah, Walter and Ricky uh, put their heads together and came up with this, and it ended up as the lead track on the 1989 album Flying Cowboys. And if you haven't heard of the original The Horses, this is it from Ricky Lee Jones with her, her guitar just getting her pipes going. It's good, but is it great? Is it Daryl? Nah. It's a little bit of hotel piano. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of, uh, it doesn't, it's a bit <laughs> background noisy at the moment. Um, she does own the rights to the track, though, so she wrote oh, it. So well, whatever Daryl does with it, uh, I think she owns yeah. Anyway, but it wasn't done there. The covers weren't done there. So Ricky Lee did it. Daryl did it. Daryl does it. It just explodes. <laughs> so who, who drops in and decides to go, oh, I want a piece of this action? 
Remember Footloose? Mid eighties. Yeah. Mullets just like is there anything that personifies the eighties more than the movie Footloose? I'm not sure. And the lead track performed by Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins rocks up nine years later after Footloose, sees Daryl having a bit of popularity down in Little Humble, Australia, and decides he's going to do the horses as well. Go for it, Kenny. Over water and cloud, that's the way it's going to be, little darling. Kenny, come on to it. We'll go riding on the horses, yeah, yeah. Smooth voice. Way up in the sky, little darling. <laughs> Not having it. This is so bad. <laughs> God, it's Kenny. I can see him looking at me, like staring at me while he's singing the song. It's intense eye contact from Kenny. Just quickly, I had a look at Kenny, what he looks like right now. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, he's had more work than the Harbour Bridge done on him. <laughs> but we love Kenny. Great voice. Footloose, great movie. He was the lead track in that, but I'm not sure the horses was his thing. Um, interestingly enough, though, just diverting, this is what happens when you go down a rabbit. We did start with Human of the Day, Daryl Braithwell. We'll loop back to Daryl in a moment. But Kenny Loggins, he's a distant relative of Dave Loggins, who's known really well in the golf world, but he's a songwriter, singer-songwriter as well. And he, this is amazing that these two things were done by the same person. Dave Loggins was the man who composed and sung the Caddyshack theme. <laughs> Right, okay, yeah, Or he yeah. composed it, the Caddyshack. He likes golf, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. And the theme song, Augusta, run at the Masters every year. Oh, <laughs> so no, those that two is things a good song. Caddyshack, and the, we'll run that later on, the Masters theme oh. song. But he did both of them. Anyway, that was Dave Loggins. Back to Kenny Loggins. Yeah, Kenny Loggins did that. However, with the horses, it, it doesn't end there with the horses. A couple of years later after Kenny Loggins released his little, as you say, hotel piano number. <laughs> If that, yeah, the horses appears on the soundtrack of a hit movie. You know which one? Well, well, yes, because I had to. Find <laughs> you the do because yeah, I sent yeah, you the yeah, link yeah, of the yeah, movie. Yeah, you did, yeah, yeah. See if you can pick it. Let's run it right now. But I was just about to tell you uh-huh. that I love him. I do. I love him. I love him, and I don't care what you think. Tell me he's not there. He's not there. Oh God. Easy, ladies, easy. Coffee, Jerry? Oh, no, thanks. We bottom feeders, we prefer cereal first. <laughs> Let's have Apple Jacks. Apple Jacks? Apple Jacks it is. Morning. Morning. What's going on, Jerry? Well, a lot, actually. We've got a big fax today. Need this commission, buddy. Need this commission. Jerry Maguire. <laughs> That's him. The horses in Jerry Maguire. Uh, I didn't I didn't remember that because that's not really the part of the movie that I remember. I remember the typical wide receiver overacting from Cuba Gooding Jr. in his wonderful role as Rod Tidwell. And also Jerry Maguire, how it's like looped in with the love song, but it drew me in because it was sports manager. Show me the money! That's him. That's him. So, uh, yeah, it was in Jerry Maguire, the horses as well. But Daryl is what we know that song for. And I'm happy for Daryl because he, yeah, he's dined out on it a little bit. Because uh, at one stage, Daryl was skint. He was um, he was rinsed by his ex-managers who said they owed him back fees and everything like that. So he had to pay that all back. He was struggling along. But a couple of years ago, he got, uh, he got elevated into the Hall of Fame 
the Aria Hall of Fame. So many hits, so many great moments. And you can't tell me that Daryl singing this song doesn't get you going, especially when you've had a couple of sherbets with reference to his former band as well. Um, he gets going at the, the Cox Plate, um, weddings, parties, anything. He even toured to the World Cup in 2018. The Fanatics got him on to perform in front of three th- uh, about a 1,000 idiot Australians, including thyself. Oh, you love that. And singing this song the night before the Australia-France game. The opening game. Daryl Braithwaite, happy birthday, you legend. Human of the day on mornings. promise you we'll get back to the sport in a moment. <laughs> I promise you. Welcome back. Um, but we're going to just continue the theme from before the break, Human of the Day with Daryl Braithwaite and giving you the backstory about uh, the horses, mm-hmm. the song. Um, just on that, Mark, proud Scotsman, is there a song, like when I explained to you the, the meaning of the horses, you kind of looked at me quizzically and now you get it a, a little bit. But it, I reckon every country has this, that a, a song that just hums and everyone gets behind for no apparent reason, other than, other than the fact that it just feels like ours. Now, the horses feels like an Australian song, ours, even though it was written by someone from LA and covered by Kenny Loggins. Is there a Scottish version of that that we just wouldn't comprehend, but you over there just get fully into? Yeah, I think so. I've got I've got two choices. One that I, I genuinely mean, and one that's kind of iconic, but for the wrong reasons. So um, are you aware of the band Deacon Blue? No. You heard of Deacon Blue. Some of the listeners, listeners, if you heard of Deacon Blue, I'm sure some of you may have, uh, in the same way that maybe some Scottish people have heard of, of horses. Yeah. Um, it's a Darryl. song called Dignity. Yeah. And this is this is kind of our, I think, the version of this song. And I'll sail on the west coast through villages and towns. I'll be on the holidays. They'll be doing the rounds. So this comes on <laughs> at a pub. Oh, Every, everyone, everyone starts singing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah a, a big Scottish band called Deacon Blue. Okay, I think UK will probably know who they are, but they're Scottish and everyone. Everyone just gets behind that. Song. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, loves it. Yeah, yeah, we have a couple of like we like we have like some of the traditional songs, like Loch Lomond. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. But this is kind of a more modern kind of okay. tr- less traditional one. Yeah, yeah. See, um, things like the Proclaimers break through and they got out here. Of course, but that, of course. No, it might have back in the day. It sounds very 80s. Yes, it is, exactly. Yeah. A lot of synth about that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, like, Proclaimers also have a kind of love-hate relationship. There's certain parts of Scotland that don't like the Proclaimers. Why? Well, because they're hips. Oh. They're, they're, they're Edinburgh. Oh, Artists okay. don't like them. Okay. I also think Proclaimers are a bit of a comedy band, but that's another <laughs> I'll walk 500 miles, I'm sure you will. Back um, to the Australian songs, though. So it, it got us thinking, is, is the horses the go-to? Is it the, the, the prototypical go-to, or is it something that John Farnham got going back in the day? Is it that one? <laughs> You've heard of that one. Yeah, which makes me think it might not be. Okay. I think I think part of the remit has to be... Well, it went number one in Sweden. Yeah, if the Swedes know it, it can't be the number one song. <laughs> so is it You're the Voice? Is it, let us know on the text line, 0457 736 736. If you're wanting to fill the dance floor of all ages 
at a wedding or a massive party, are you putting on You're the Voice? Are you putting on The Horses? Or are you putting on Colin Hayes' great work, which everyone around the world knows, but we're going to claim anyway. Down Under. Let us know. 0457 736 736. Down Under, you're the voice or the horses. Which one? You can chime in with something else if you want. Rhino Mike's really loving this particular (laughs) segment. Hi, Adam. I thought this was a sports show. That's 10 minutes I'll never get back. Sorry, Rhino. I was trying to educate you a little bit. We'll get to the sport in a moment. We've got Wally Masur on the way to talk some tennis. We've got Christy Doran to talk some rugby union. We're going to have a cricket round table as well. We've got plenty of sport on the way. I just want to divulge in this. It's Daryl's birthday. Lighten up. Yeah, welcome back. Um, text line. Uh, a few texts on the text line about um, what's your go-to track uh, when it comes to, yeah, getting things really going at a celebration. And obviously it's in light of Daryl Braithwaite's birthday. The horses uh, did a little deep dive into that for human of the day. We'll get back to the sport in a moment. Um, don't worry, Rhino, if you're still listening. It's probably switched off and put it on the racing. Uh, you're the voice all day from Jason, he writes, uh, the John Farnham Classic. Um Another one here from uh, Paul from Warwick Farm. Um, he's added a fourth one. Definitely putting Kaysan Cole Chisel on. Thanks very much. Yeah, good shout, Paul. And Ash from Noosa has a real tactical outlook on it. You start off with dumb things by Paul Kelly into your the voice finishing off with horses. Bang, bang, bang. Ah, so he's got he's proper DJ there. He's like yeah, he's yeah. getting the vibe right. The, what, the ebbs and flows. I wonder if he can mix them as well. Mm. On the way, dumb things is very much um, for the next See, morning with a hangover. I don't know dumb things, and I don't know Keysan by Cold Chisel. So that I think Keysan, Keysan. Sorry, these yeah. are all songs that See, it's an educational process. Yeah, yeah. But that, yeah. again, that's the whole point. It has to be a song that the outside world maybe doesn't know too much about. But. Exactly. Um, in our second hour, we've got coming up. Uh, we've got plenty of cricket on the way. We'll we'll uh, sit down and have a bit of a chat about cricket. Formula One is a fascinating story that um, yesterday in Melbourne apparently. I don't know if it's true. I, I, I've seen the photo. I don't know if it's actually him, but it's definitely Oscar Piastri in a McLaren, an orange McLaren. It's not exactly blending in through the streets of Melbourne. And in the passenger seat, it looks like Daniel Ricciardo. Now, Daniel Ricciardo was the one bombed from McLaren to let Oscar Piastri, the young Australian, in. That whole story mid-season where Daniel basically got sacked for not performing or not being as good as the the prospect of and Oscar Piastri, obviously Oscar's got his first drive uh, coming up in Formula One um, in the not-too-distant future, and they'll be at the Australian Grand Prix, the two of them. But unfortunately, Daniel will be only there as the reserve driver for Red Bull in case something goes wrong with Sergio Perez or uh, Max Verstappen. Yeah, odd scene in the streets of Melbourne. We've got cricket and tennis on the other side of this as well. We're going to chat to Wally Masseur, all things tennis, the doyen of Australian tennis, or one of and we'll get his take on Jason Kubler last night. Kyrgios selling out that uh, that stadium on Friday against Novak Djokovic. And plenty more. You're with Mornings with Adam Peacock. We'll get back to the sport in a moment. Call anytime. one 1170 Or text 0457-736-736. This is Mornings. Right here on SEN.
Yeah, welcome back to Mornings if you're listening in Sydney on SEN 1170. Also uh, the app as well or the podcast after the fact. And it's a big welcome to Queensland listeners to uh, SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. Have you found those horses yet, by the way? speak. <laughs> if you're just joining us in Queensland, we've had an hour talking about basically Daryl Braithwaite's birthday and then going into the backstory of the horses. But we saw them yesterday. It was a horrible situation on uh, at Surfers Paradise Beach where they, they had the... You know, the promo event for, they had about, looked like about 15 horses galloping down. And they've done it before. They've done it stacks of times before. But I don't know how. And I'll get into it a little bit. Um, but two of the horses escaped and ended up going west. It looked like they were trying to head back to the Gold Coast Turf Club, which is a few kilometres west from the beach. But, um, yeah, really dangerous situation. And thankfully they didn't get cleaned up by a car or a car didn't get cleaned up by the horses as well, and, um, yeah, they were found to be safe not long after. And in Brisbane, um, hopefully the horses didn't make it all the way up to Brisbane, up that freeway. It would have taken them four hours on that freeway. It's a fantastic road, that. Uh, SEN 693 AM in Brisbane. Good morning to everyone up there in Queensland. Hope you're having a great Wednesday. We're having fun in the studio here. We've got some sport chat um, on the way. We've got plenty of tennis uh, happening at the moment. We'll get to the bottom of all of it with Wally Masseur, who will join me shortly. Rugby Union. What direction are the Wallabies heading in the coaching sense? So Dave Rennie is the man in charge. He's under a bit of pressure, but um, I think on the Gold Coast, they're gathering for a camp, 44-man camp, before the uh, the World Cup um, really kicks into gear. Preparations for the World Cup really kick into gear with the Super Rugby um, uh, season and then into the Wallabies test season into a World Cup later in the year in France. Eddie Jones, what's his role in Australian rugby? Does he have a role in Australian rugby? Christy Doran will join us a bit later on to chat about that. We'll uh, do a bit of a deep dive into everything that's happening in cricket. We've got uh, yeah, test selectors sitting down to work out what they're going to do. Are they going to base it on Big Bash form because Marnus Labuschagne uh, Usman Khawaja returned to the Brisbane Heat tonight, which is great news. The Adelaide Strikers played last night. Their test stars, Alex Carey and Travis Head, didn't play a part. But Marnus is back. Usman's back. He's captain, I think, for Brisbane Heat um, back in. And Matty Renshaw, obviously, who only dipped out for the Sydney test. He is back in the fold um, with some of the international players heading away from the Big Bash. So we'll go in a bit uh, greater depth with the cricket news that's going around at the moment a bit later on. Um, some NRL off-season buzz, if you like, and some news. There's always news when it comes to uh, to NRL. Unfortunately, it pertains to uh, a couple of well, kids, I'll call them kids, who haven't quite got it together, it seems, off the pitch or off the park, off the field at the moment when it comes to uh, being footy players and preparing for the new season. Junior Ramone, um potential stand down from the NRL. Uh, he, his and he, he and his father allegedly attacked a tradie with a hammer near his home recently. Amazing. Uh, anyway, the Dragons might have to move on with him. They've been in this situation before the Dragons and having a a, uh, a big player for them, having to uh, sit out, Jack DeBellin. We all remember that under the NRL's uh, stand down policy. Jaden Sullivan is apparently going to uh, slot into the halves. That's the story going around. So Jaden Sullivan, we were hearing that he wanted out because he, he, he'd hit the glass ceiling there at the Dragons. He wasn't going to get a go, but he might be relied on heavily um, at the Dragons. And uh, we'll see what happens there. And the Broncos worried about Selwyn Cobbo's off-field issues. Now, I had word last year about Selwyn Cobbo that he'd missed his alarm clock a couple of times. Um, and it, it happens. <clears throat> this this kid is <laughs> immensely talented. He knows he's done the wrong thing. He, he's He's very... 
um, apologetic about his words about Kevin Walters and Kevin Walters, the bloke he is, he's taken them on face value. Very disappointed. He sounded like the disappointed father um, earlier in the week when he was talking about Selwyn Cobbo and his podcast um, uh, comment that Kevy wasn't a great coach. Taken out of context, all of those things. Anyway, Selwyn's said what he said. But this is what happens when a story like this breaks that, yeah, one thing happens, but then it leads into the deep dive about what's this kid about? what What's this player about? Has he got any other skeletons or whatever? Sometimes in the situation, I'm not saying it's happened here, but I just know it in other sports as well. Sometimes the, the club doesn't want to come out and say something, so they then leak information coming through. Now, hey, presto, we've got some information come to light about Selwyn Cobbo and his training habits and all of those. It's harsh. He's growing up before our very eyes. You know, he, what, what he said, his, his coach, um, he said a few words about his coach, a few flippant comments, and he slept in a few times. Is it the crimes of the century? Probably not. So he'll learn. He'll learn and he'll grow up. And, you know, he's a, he's a footy player. He, he's there to play footy and he'll learn a few lessons and, and hopefully the Broncos bring him in and, and kind of help him become as professional as he can be because his talent is so good that he's going to excite a hell of a lot of people through winter. So that's the situation with Selwyn Cobbo at the moment. Mentioned before the break, Brisbane listeners and, and Gold Coast listeners weren't across that, but um, about Daniel Ricciardo being spotted in the passenger seat of a McLaren with the man who has taken his seat at McLaren in uh, Oscar Piastri in Melbourne. The two were, I don't know, they were out on a shopping trip or something like that, maybe going out to Chadstone to pick up a new pair of jeans together or maybe by the shop. They could probably afford it between the two of them. Uh, they were spotted there. But there was some more news in Formula One, which is really interesting. So at the moment, there's 10 teams in Formula One, but it, it's kind of like a closed group because the revenue pot is shared by those 10 teams. If you enter, and they probably could, more manufacturers want to get involved, expand the grid to 11 teams, 12 teams, whatever. If they wanted to do that, they could at a moment's notice. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people with the success of the sport at the moment. It's it's going in the right direction, and especially off the back of Drive to Survive, who've introduced so many new fans to the sport. The problem is if you increase the number of teams, you don't increase straight away the revenue pot because the TV rights are the TV rights in particular, and the commercial revenue is the commercial revenue. So then your the pot gets diminished somewhat. It gets watered down. So instead of... The pot being divided by 10, it's divided by 11. <laughs> All the teams, bar one, Alpine, have said, you know what, we don't really want an 11th team at the moment. Now, the entry fee for a team to come into Formula One at the moment is 1 billion Aussie dollars or thereabouts. Now, the FIA want another team. They're actually actively supporting a, a bid from the Andretti group, um, Mario Andretti, famous name in American motorsports in particular. Now, this goes down the path of, you know, expanding into North America in particular. They've got three races on the Formula One calendar this year in uh, America. You've got Miami, the US Grand Prix, and the Vegas one as well, the street race. So, yeah, they want to expand. They want to expand now, but nine of the ten teams, the establishment, don't want to expand. So it's going to be very hard to get that vote through. Cricket, I mentioned that, uh, yeah, Marnus is playing, Uzi's playing for uh, the Brisbane Heat tonight. Last night, the Adelaide Strikers moved into third on the Big Bash ladder after a 20-run win over the Melbourne Renegades. The Strikers, a couple of days ago, obviously had that amazing win over the Hobart Hurricanes, chasing down 220-plus 
at Adelaide Oval. It's obviously a bit of a road there at Adelaide Oval, but um, it's a really good vibe there at the Adelaide Strikers home game. They games they get over twenty thousand, and um, yeah, it's it just goes to show what's happening with the Big Bash at the moment. It's 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 really going well. Overnight, India beat Sri Lanka in a one day. They're slowly warming up for the visit of the Australians. So uh, Virat Kohli, I think he, he cracked a ton. So. Good for Virat. He's in form. And India beat Sri Lanka in a one-dayer. And elsewhere, Jofra Archer. So he's been injured for 17 months, the English quick. And I mean quick. He's been off the scene for a very long time. But he's making a bit of a comeback in uh, the T20 version of the Big Bash over there in South Africa. He's playing for the Pal Royals. And uh, Jofra took three wickets on return. So it looks like he has returned in good shape, which is great news um, for the Ashes coming up. We want the best players to play. We don't want to just pump them like we did when they came down here a couple of years ago. The Ashes is going to be some series, and it's going to be some year for the Australian cricket team with India away, England away, and Jofra Archer perhaps with the shiny Dukes ball back in his hand. Um, If they're still using the juice, got to check that actually. Uh, But whatever the case, we want Jofra playing in that Ashes series, and it looks like his return, well, it's got off to a great start with those three wickets in the South Africa T20 competition that is happening right now. A uh, few texts on the text line as well. We mentioned before the break and again before our Queensland listeners joined us, uh, what are you copying for to get the, the four fl- floor filler at a celebration? Is it Down Under? Is it The Horses by Daryl Braithwaite? Is it You're the Voice by John Farnham? A couple of other ones coming in. Rob from Blacktown. Choir Boys, Run to Paradise. That's an Aussie anthem. Yeah, good point, Rob. Uh, it's a long way to the top, ACDC. Yeah, very, very good. Absolutely. Uh, Jeremy writes uh, from West Pennant Hills, down under, then daylight, followed by daylight, then Kaysan. So, yeah, fair enough. Um, and Statsy from Freshwater has come in with his usual novel. Uh, here we go. Okay, yeah, I've just vetted it for swear words and untoward uh, things that could have the legal uh, department um, producing injunctions and the like. G'day, Adam. Happy birthday to the great man, Daryl Braithwaite. 74 today, Daryl. That's what got us going. He was our human of the day. Uh, but can we please stop referencing that god-awful song with his name? I have a love of thoroughbreds and all equine, but the mere mention or playing of that song has me wanting to close my all my betting accounts. Don't get me wrong. I did like the song initially, but there's only so many times you can hear one song. And after being at Mooney Valley for the 2017 Cox Plate and having six drunken teenagers scream into my ear for 15 minutes, enough is enough. I know I'm on Australian saying this, but I wish the horses suffers the same fate as, as an injured horse. Oh, Statsy. No. Can we get rid of this song? Glad I got that all off my chest. Statsy, if it helped you and your state on this wonderful Wednesday, fair enough. But I totally, totally disagree with you. And yes, you're an Australian. And we're going to talk a bit of football now uh, on mornings with Adam Peacock. Got producer Dom here, got producer Mark as well. Uh, Talk a bit of football before we get going. Guys, um, how about this from the Dorking Wanderers manager? They're in the National League, which is out of the league system, you know, in England, Premier League Championship, League One, League Two. So they're trying to rise up in the pyramid, but it's not quite working out for them. They got pumped 5-1 by Oldham on the weekend. This is what their manager had to say. There's no way of dressing up the situation. You know, um, in, in honesty, you know, Oldham have won 5-1, 
because we are shit at defending. <laughs> you just want honesty from your coach as a fan. And, you know, he didn't try to blame the ref there. He didn't try to blame the opposition, the, the fact that there was, you know, the roads, roads weren't salted enough on the way to the ground. It was all about ourselves. Um, you appreciate the honesty. I wish yeah. there would be more sports managers that would have that honesty. Do that. Say, yeah, we were Yeah, yeah we were today. garbage. Yeah. We were toilet. Anyway. What else is happening in football? Who wasn't toilet this morning was Newcastle United, correct? Yeah, Dom? yeah, yeah. We're, we're still having the battle of the Uniteds here. I can't wait for Manchester United to face Newcastle United. But mm-hmm. just back on the Dorking Wanderers manager, he's a bit of a TikTok star. He's all he over was? my TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've kind of got this camera crew that follows Dorking through, I don't know where the show is, but he, it's just all he over TikTok. owns yeah. the club. Oh, he's the chairman. Okay. Yep. He's the chairman. He's the guy that, Mark White, he bought the club, put himself in as manager, running the team. Yeah. So that's like Nick Politis coaching the Roosters, essentially. But he, how I mean, fun would that be? The, the team are second in the league. It's working. Like, what? It's working. They're really? second in the league. Wow. Yeah. Well, it didn't work on the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, last year they were second in the league. So okay. They were promoted last year, so they, I mean. Oh, they got promoted got from promoted a lower division. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, it's really good. Like, Politis in the coaching box, oh, just directing things for the, the chooks. The Dorking Wanderers documentary. No. no, that'd be great. So that's like a Welcome to Wrexham type thing that they're doing along those lines. There's going to be a stack of those pop up just, everywhere. Just a lower budget version of it, I'm assuming. Yeah. But I only see clips on TikTok and I absolutely love it. But um, mm. yeah, let's get into a bit of Carabao Cup then. So obviously your mob, Newcastle, 2 0 over Leicester. Yep. Very lucky, to be honest. You know, Leicester probably should have put one past you. Shut up, keep talking. <laughs> And then United 3-0 over Charlton, obviously is 1-0 up until the, uh, you know, probably the favourite for the Ballon d'Or at this stage of his life. Marcus Rashford comes on and <coughs> scores a double in injury time. So, I mean, wh- wh- what are your thoughts on that, Adam? Uh, there was an Aussie player this morning. In was that. there? Goalkeeper for uh, Charlton, Ashley Maynard Brewer, 23-year-old. He's been involved in the Oli Roos setup, so big, big moment for him, unfortunately. They got dusted, but still playing at Old Trafford. Oh, Tell the grandkids you. moment for him. <laughs> anyway. Um, Nottingham Forest are in a bit of trouble. So if you're if you're a raging lefty and a big greenie, you're not a big fan of uh, Nottingham Forest this morning, correct? Uh, no, and I think Pat Cummins would be absolutely delighted with this news. Mm, not. Uh, they decided to take a flight of 20 minutes to Blackpool to play a uh, FA Cup tie the other day. Instead of it, it was a it was a near three hour trip on a bus. Mm. What what would Probably a, a jet plane would create a few more fumes than a, a three-hour bus ride. Just a few. A 20-minute flight. Yeah. Would it? Mm. Look, I've, those roads in England are, are chaotic. Yeah. One thing about the roads in England, and I know Dunny's probably going to get going on the uh, the text line if he listens to this, given my history with um, lead foot, lead-footedness. One thing I noticed about England when I was over there recently, they love a speed camera. Yeah. They are freaking everywhere. Yeah, we've got average speed cameras as well now. So it's not just clocking you. Yeah. It's a big road, and if you don't hit the average for you get 100 done. miles, you'll get done. So you can't just steam it past the ski cameras to stop speed. Ah. They measure you at the start. They measure you at the end. If you've got there too fast, they're clocking. It happens every time, doesn't it? Yeah. That you get to an average speed camera and everyone slows down. Oh, this will knock down my average. What, that 50 yeah. metres before the speed <laughs> camera is going to knock down your average. So, oh, God, they're everywhere. But that maybe that's what Steve Cooper, um, Nottingham Forest bus, uh, boss, wanted to avoid. He wanted the bus 
bus driver to uh, not pick up any points. Look, I, I understand everything, right? But like, how can you turn down 20 minutes as opposed to three hours travel time? You've got professional athletes that are going to be sitting down. You've got all this science but, on blood circulation and everything. But what about the science of the world ending climate change? Well, Dom, I'm calling on Elon Musk to create an electric plane. No more fumes, and then we can do 20-minute flights, and how about that? Elon's got a bit of, bit on his plate at the moment. Just, well, don't buy Twitter, mate. You've yeah. got about six other companies going. Just to focus on one. Hey, we've got a caller uh, on the line a bit about football. I think about Wrexham. Greg from San Susie. Morning, Greg. How are you, mate? Morning, Adam. I'm exceedingly well. Yourself? I'm not as good as that, but I'm pretty good. Dom's just bought me my second <laughs> coffee of the day, so it's going okay. <laughs> are you a viewer well, just, of this? I've just opened the... Sorry, go, oh, go on. Oh. I've just opened the uh, $20 box of, um, of jelly beans, so I'm in the same sort of oh, state. Outstanding. Hey, you're a viewer of this Wrexham doco, are you, on, on Disney with Ryan Reynolds and the other bloke whose name everyone forgets? Uh, yes, uh, Rob McElhaney. Um Yes, I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. And to see them 4-0 up against uh, whoever it was they were playing on uh, on. Sunday morning mm. from three divisions above them and then uh, <laughs> and then scrape in 4-3 uh, it's just going to make fabulous viewing uh, when Series 2 comes around it's uh, it's been fabulous I've absolutely loved it and what's more my wife has loved it too ah and she's not a football fan so th- these are the things with these uh, series this this is like the Netflix series with tennis, we've seen it with Drive to Survive. It draw it. It's meant to draw people in. So, you you get the feeling that this is has drawn maybe a, a few more people in that ordinarily wouldn't have even blinked twice when it came to, firstly football and secondly definitely Wrexham. Oh, ab- absolutely, and uh, we've just sort of hooked into the um, into the MotoGP one too, and she's uh, she's getting her fair um, fair whack of the beautiful boys that ride the. Motorcycles, absolutely. <laughs> let me let me tell you, there's some very pretty boys on those bikes. <laughs> They're all little too. They're all little, but um, they look after themselves. They wear plenty of covering, and um, yeah, they get off the bike and wink uh, and uh, get on with life. Um, Greg, thanks for that call, mate. Um, have a good day and enjoy uh, the rest of what football brings for the course of the week. There's a bit more news around as well, Dom, isn't there? Yeah, so this kind of happened yesterday, but Roberto Martinez has been uh, appointed the new Portugal manager, which is, um, look, a bit of a strange one considering how unsuccessful he was with Belgium at the World Cup. Uh, obviously went out in the group stage, but they did finish uh, third in 2018. So yeah. interesting appointment. He hasn't really achieved much other than that in his coaching career. Was he, he the coach that took Wigan to the FA Cup final? Yes. Okay. Is he going to tell I take, I take back my state. Ronaldo to beat it, do you think? <sighs> Who's going to be the one to tell Ronaldo to beat it? Cristiano Ronaldo is the only person that can tell. Fernando Santos, that was his name, wasn't it? The Portugal manager at the so. World Cup. Yeah. yeah. Um, he sat him on the bench and look how that ended for him. <laughs> But look, it's so tough because you just can't tell him because he's the greatest Portuguese player of all time Mm. and he deserves the right to finish his career on his own accord, but his current form probably doesn't justify it. So Mm. it's either either your job or Ronaldo. I couldn't disagree more. There's no man bigger than one team. There's no man bigger than the country. Portugal is bigger than Cristiano Ronaldo and that's the way it should be. Whatever's the best for the team. It's that, best for the team. That's the way it's going to be, and little darling. That's the way it's going to be, little darling. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think now's the right time to do it because there's a new manager in. If he waits a bit of time, he's going to get more build up. You come in nice and early. You have a conversation with him privately and say, mm. yep, I've spoken to him already. When the people question him in, 
he's not going to be in the squad going forwards. We're moving forward. We've got, I've got I, bah, I can't even remember the name, but the player who scored a hat trick for Portugal at the World Cup, the young player from Benfica, is it? Oh, this Ramos, the striker. Ramos, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like that's our that's our future. We need to move on. Thank you for your support. See mm. you in ten years at the ceremony. Um, just before we get to a break, we've got Wally Masur on the way to talk some tennis. Uh, some massive money, as we mentioned yesterday, Tom, some massive money floating around in European football at the moment with the transfer window. Um, we're, we're looking like now the normalisation of a $100 million transfer fee. Yeah. Like, it, like 10 years ago, it was $10 million was like, whoa, that's a lot of money. Mm. Now it's $100 million. Yeah, even in like the mid uh, 2010s, it was like, well, 30 mil, that's kind of the going price for an average player. But uh, so obviously Arsenal have been chasing uh, Ukrainian Mykhailo Mudrik. I, be- I hope I pronounced that correct. Mm. Sorry if you're listening. Dynamic winger. Yeah, he's a fantastic winger. Yeah. You know, he's, he's got the potential to become one of the best in the world. But 100 million for someone un- unproven, realistically, on the international stage and outside of the Ukrainian league. Um, well, he's been magnificent. He was magnificent in the Champions League this year. But the, the twist on this is that. Ukrainian club obviously needs all the revenue it can get at the 100%. moment for reasons that are pretty obvious. So they're just going to hold out and wait for the biggest deal possible, surely. Yeah, well, Chelsea were trying to close in on him, but obviously they've gone for Joel Felix instead. But look, he might have been proven at the Champions League, but he's the best player in that team. Mm. You put him in a team like Arsenal, he's got four or five other stars around him. That's the biggest question mark going in. And obviously like Ukraine's national team, just bowed out at the World Cup qualifiers. Would have been good to see him at the World Cup, but his value probably would have went up to 200 mil if he had a good performance. Exactly. Uh, Dom, thank you for that. We'll have some more football and a more roundtable discussion a bit later on. You're going to be back with the, the your digging segment today. Dom's digging you all about the Mancad family. Oh, my hands are filthy. I've been digging. <laughs> yeah. I've been digging hard. Just no gloves, no, no shovel, just hands into the turf. Digging as hard as he can. He's come up with some a bit of gold about the Mancad family. So we'll have that a bit later on. Just on the text line quickly uh, before we go to a break about uh, songs, great Aussie songs. Horses is utter shite, right? Uh, <laughs> there's no name on this. What nationality is Les Murray by Tism is much, much better. Now, Tism, there, there's an education in Australian pop culture for you, Mark. We'll get to that maybe tomorrow. We might do a deep dive into Tism, one of the great bands who recently reformed off to a break on mornings. Wally Masur around the corner for some tennis. And welcome back to uh, Mornings with Adam Peacock. I nearly got caught out on the phone there. I thought I had a couple <laughs> more minutes off the news break and I've just basically hung up on someone. Uh, get back to you in a moment. Hey, um, tennis. Let's chat some tennis right now. So, John Millman. Ah, oh, man, Millmania. I can't wait for a bit more Millmania at the Australian Open this year. Now, a couple of years ago, he pushed Roger Federer all the way in an epic on centre court. Uh, lost in five, didn't lose any fans. He's a guy that has got the absolute most out of his career. He's had some uh, horrible shoulder injuries. Uh, he's now and he's, oh, I think he's 33, 34 or whatever like that. Big Liverpool fan as well, um, Johnny Millman. But... That's by the by. Proud Queenslander. He's given himself every chance to have a successful summer, even though he's towards the end of his career. He's given given a wild card um, into the Australian Open. And after he got the wild card for the Australian Open, it gave him the chance to stay in Adelaide this week and get some matches under his belt at the Adelaide International. He had to come through qualifying, but yesterday in round one of the main draw, John Millman got it done.
Awesome from John Millman. Just a great soundtrack, isn't it? Two blokes belting a tennis ball and grunting. Fantastic radio. <laughs> so John Millman got through. Uh, Jason Kubler had a good win last night as well. And to get the full picture of what's happening at the Adelaide International and also looking ahead to the Australian Open, Nick Kyrgios and Novak Djokovic playing a uh, exhibition on Friday night in Melbourne and it sold out in about 12 seconds flat. Joining us right now, Wally Masur, good mate and uh, Australian tennis legend, Wal. Good morning. How are you? Adam, 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 how are you? Yes, wonderful, wonderful. Are you in Adelaide or are you just prepping for Melbourne? Well, look, you know, I actually, believe it or not, contracted COVID on January 1. Happy New Year. So I've had to lay low. Uh, I'm now negative and I'm heading to Melbourne today to just be a part of the festivities leading into the AO. So I've bypassed Adelaide. I've missed that one. Oh, that's a shame. It was a good tournament. Um, you kept an eye on what happened yesterday, no doubt. So Johnny Millman mentioned him. He qualified. He got through. So good win for him. Needs some matches before taking up that wild card for the Australian Open. But did you catch Jason Kubler last night? Yeah, look, Kubs, um, he's ranked just outside of 100. So he gets the wild card into the Australian Open. But we've got to remember, if his Wimbledon... His, um, if his Wimbledon points were on, he's well inside 100. So that sort of gives you an understanding of how his year was in 2022. But he kicked it off really nicely at the United Cup. I think he really enjoyed playing late with Hewitt courtside, the team zone, had a couple of good wins playing at number two behind Demon, and uh, he's pretty confident. And look, I, I sat courtside for one of his matches, and obviously I've known Coogs for a long time, but sometimes it's just doing some of the really little things well, you know, the variety, the variety on his serve, just picking and choosing his moments when to be aggressive. He's got a nice little sneak into the net. Oh, I hope, I hope that wasn't COVID, <laughs> unfortunately for Wall. Yeah, he's uh, he's had a few issues uh, there while on the uh, the phone. So um, we'll get back to him in a moment. Uh, yeah, Jason Kubler, he's broken inside the top 100. And he has got that wild card for the Australian Open. Nick Kyrgios and also uh, Novak Djokovic will play that exhibition uh, on Friday night. Um, tickets sold out in less than half an hour for Rod Laver Arena. They'll pack the joint. It won't be full on, but it'll be good entertainment. What we're going to do, we're going to take a break here on Mornings with Adam Peacock. Back with plenty more right after this. Yeah, welcome back. We've sorted out our uh, issues technology-wise here uh, at SEN Towers. We're going to get back to Wally Masseur. Sorry about that, Wal. To talk some tennis? Where did we get to I, when I was so rudely cut off? <laughs> Jason Kubler, a player that you know a hell of a lot about, had a big win last night. And I was, I was not pleasantly surprised, but I was taken aback about how well he's moving. Now, it's, movement is everything on a tennis court, and he's so light in his feet and quick. And this is a guy who's had six knee operations. What do you reckon he can achieve? Well, I, I think he's very, very capable. You've got to remember, if he had his Wimbledon points, he'd be well inside 100 already. I, I think he's very capable, and I probably would consider uh, Alexi Popkin as well, of a big win, you know, a serious win. And I'm talking top top 20, top 15, top 10 player. You know, if he catches them on the right day in the right conditions. I sat courtside at the United Cup, and he was really enjoying that, representing Australia, Leighton Hewitt on the side of the court. He was absolutely pumped. But, you know, sitting courtside, it was the... The subtleties of his game, the you know the variation, picking and choosing his moments, when to sneak, 
uh, when to go with a bit more power and aggression, when to dig in and not make an error. You know, just making lots of really good decisions and that comes with confidence and, you know, the confidence that he's gotten from a great 2022. Fitzy got emotional as well. Your good mate, John Fitzgerald, who you've known for 100 years because you're both 100 years old, um, that he got really emotional. He was... He loved it. It was like a prototypical Australian performance in Fitzy's eyes. Well, well, look, Fitzy gets a bit teary at those Telstra ads and those insurance ads. You know, that's just a, a consequence of losing your testosterone as you get older. <laughs> um, but no, look, I think the, the thing about Coobs is everybody felt for him because he was an outstanding junior, you know, the best junior in the world. Yeah. And he actually had a really legitimate um, play court game for an Australian. That was a bit unusual. Obviously, along came Panathia, along came Kyrgios, who could certainly generate on the forehand and play a different brand of tennis You know, than maybe you would kind of close your eyes and think of an Australian player. But Coobs was this outstanding junior, series of knee surgeries. Uh, you know, Once they go in and start taking things out of your knee, it's not good. And to have that happen at such a young age is, is really bad. But I think one of the things that he did was eventually he got a program to really, um, you know, just constantly strengthen and work on the leg. So surgery wasn't the only answer. It was, you know, really being diligent. He's done that. But I guess what Fitzy enjoyed was the journey, you know, what he's been through, uh, well documented. You know, at times, there was a time, I think, when Coops had 50 cents in his bank account. He was coaching and, uh, you know, things just weren't going well, uh, surgery after surgery, time away from the game. So, you know, it's just a great story. And he is a great kid. Well, he's not a kid, but he's a good guy. Absolutely. Yeah, really, really down-to-earth guy. I like a lot of the Aussie boys as well. Now, people might say that Nick Kyrgios isn't quite down-to-earth, but what he is is popular. Are you surprised in any way, shape or form that um, that exhibition against Novak Djokovic sold out in less than half an hour for Friday night at Rod Laver Arena? No, no. Nick, Nick is uh, he's a massive ticket anywhere in the world, let alone Australia. Um, and of course, look, I'm really pleased that Novak's back and how good was it, you know, how he was received in Adelaide and then he played as Novak plays, you know, solid as a rock and wins the title. Um, so just a great story. And obviously, Australians were transfixed by, transfixed by that Wimbledon final. And we get a little look at the two men on court together for charity, which is um, sensational. Is the draw, the draw, if I'm not mistaken, is done on Thursday, is it not? You are correct, Adam. Yeah. So- tomorrow morning, the draw, I believe, you know, sort of mid-morning. What happens if they're drawn in the same section, Novak and, and Nick? Do they still play? Yeah, now, they're not going to bump into each other first two rounds. No, that's right. Oh, look, I think I've just been looking at the names. You know, this, I reckon this is a really wide open, Australian open in, in both the men's and the women's in so many ways. I think there's a real opportunity for someone, you know, a first-time winner, maybe, you know, do an alpha race, go on a run. I just, there's so many good players but not far apart. So I, I'm not sure that any player, Novak included, will be looking too far ahead. So, you know, if they are drawn to play in the third round, so be it. I don't think that will interfere at all with the way they approach the Friday night charity. But I think, I'm just yeah, just looking at the depth of the field, um, and that is something that is, is quite amazing in tennis now, the depth. Uh, you know, players are 250 in the world. They're good players. Mm. Um, you know, I think the depth of the field will mean that everybody will just have to go on their toes from day one, and I can't imagine too many players looking too far ahead. Yeah. Uh, what about the rest of the Aussie boys before we get to, to the women's side of things? Um, anyone else we should keep an eye on either in qualifying Demon. this week or um, next week? Well, keep, yeah, keep an eye on Vukic in qualifying. Uh, a couple of young boys had good wins. Dane Sweeney, 
Uh, he's a youngster, not much of him, but he's a hell of a tennis player. He had a great win in the first round. Great uh, Alex Vukic, good mullet. Yeah, he's a bit like, is it, what's the golfer Cam Smith? There's a bit of yeah. Cam Smith about him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, it is, it's seriously a very good mullet. And when he plays, he's very quick, so it sort of flows behind him. Um, he's worth catching if you do get a chance. But look, Alex Vukic, I think he's had a good back end of the year after missing about five months through elbow. Uh, problems. So, yeah, I think there's a, a few characters that have a shot to get through. Um, I like Pop. Can Popper and Springer big upset? Certainly can. Can Panathi do the same? Certainly can. Uh, Tomo got a great, you know, physique, fit and fast. Can he do well? Um, question marks over Isla for me. Um, you know, Isla strikes me as a player that likes to play. So, you know, maybe not quite the prep she wanted coming in. Um, mm. But keep an eye out for Isla because she had a sensational 2022. And she's, yeah, she's just so professional and she's right at the peak of her power. So let's hope that that, you know, knee issue um, is not problematic for her going forward. But look, I think uh, Demon, you know, for me, uh, I've always felt Demon's had the mind and the tenacity to go deep in a slam. And I think for him, it's just about balancing. It's a balancing act between, he's got to play up. You know, everyone's about 20 kilos heavier than he is. He's got to go after it, and it's just striking that balance between being aggressive and controlling the court, taking the ball early, and being judicious. Just you know, there are times when he might have to get a little late in cue addition, just dig in and not lose, if you know what I mean. So yeah, mm. just striking that balance. But I think Dean is one to watch. With Ola Tomlanovic, she's clearly Australia's number one female tennis player. Um, what are we waiting for in terms of uh, the, the the rest of that group coming? through because there's a, a few names there um, in the women's tennis list that they, they look like they're about to break into the top 100 and then the results kind of fall away and, you know, it gets to February and then the, the circus moves on to other countries and um, the, it, there's not the focus on the Australian players that there is in January. What, what's stopping another one of these female players or two of them breaking inside the top 100? Well, yeah, and you're right, because I guess you, you, you're talking about Astra Sharma just dipped inside 100, dipped out, got injured. Maddie Inglis hovered just outside 100 for a number of years, pre-Hon, Lizette Cabrera, Kim Birrell injury. So for some of them, it's been a case of, of, you know, a truncated schedule due to injuries. For others, maybe just that little bit of top-end firepower to take the jump and consolidate inside 100. Um, and for all of them, yeah, they're just slightly different reasons. Um, but that's probably been a bit frustrating, um, you know, from a Tennis Australia point of view, that we have had four or five female players just hovering outside 100, but unable to take that leap. And I always, sometimes I feel like, and it's a bit like with Jason, you know, what uh, Jason Kubler, you know, playing the United Cup at, Sometimes something will happen. You'll play a match under certain circumstances and you'll just jag a win or something really good will happen. It might be in a slam. And all of a sudden you believe, you feel like you belong. Isla actually made that comment after she backed up her Wimbledon quarterfinal of 2021. In 2022, she said, now I feel like I belong. Well, Isla, you belonged all along, you know, the whole time. But, mm. you know, the player has to believe. So I think, you know, sometimes too, just that seminal moment where, you, you have that win that gives you the belief that you really belong and you're a contender. Hey, the uh, the women's side of the draw, you reckon the men's is open. I, I've got the uh, short list for the females who can win the Australian Open down to about 32 or 33. Uh, Igor yeah, Sviantec, I've got a list in front of me. Yeah, yeah. It's tough, isn't it? <laughs> it's a shopping list. Um, Igor Sviantec, she is it on her shoulder, basically? And I don't know if you've heard how, yeah. how the shoulder is. She pulled out of Adelaide this week. Well, you kind of think 
look, you know, I, maybe I'm just being optimistic, but she's probably had enough matches in the United Cup and maybe, you know, the idea that she needed to play another four or five in Adelaide was, I just don't think that was necessary. Um, so I kind of think precautionary as much as anything. I'm hopeful. I don't have the inside scoop. But gee, you're right. Open. Shiontek, Shabur, Pagula, Garcia, Sabalenka, Sakari, Coco Goff. I mean, where, where do you start? You know, where do you start to stop? The big thing for me, Adam, I don't think Shiontek was playing brilliantly at the US Open, but she's a hell of a mover. You know, she's a great mover and she fought and she found a way. But her forehand, you know, extreme grip, ball coming in hard, low and fast. I mean, yeah, it was at times you sort of had your, you know, your heart in your mouth. Where was that forehand going to go? But she found a way. But what what worried me at the US Open was there was a bunch of girls on a run, just on a tear, playing great tennis. Pagula, Carolyn Garcia, Coco Goff. Uh, they were just playing really well, and they hit a point of the tournament, and they froze. Mm. Um, just froze, and not not freezing to the point where you're nervous for the first 15 minutes, but really just couldn't find their game on that particular day at, a, at the very business end of the tournament. So, And that's where Siontek won it. She somehow found a way. So you know, if I look at Pagula and Garcia, if, I mean, Pagula's playing really well and smoked Siontek in the United Cup. But, you know, hey, slams are slightly different. But, wow, she got a good hardcourt game. So for me, there's a whole host of players, but they better find the emotional state to play a big match in because they've got the game to do it. They've just got to, well, believe there's that word again. But I tell you, the player that sort of maybe firmed in my eyes a little bit was, is Sabalenka. Yep. Because she made a comment, you know, how she has the service woes. Um, you know, a bit like you off the tee, you know, yeah. you go anywhere. But, yeah. but you've got such a big ego, you somehow, you know, you, you tee it up every time and think something good's going to happen. Um, but, you know, the thing with Sabalenka, she made that comment, you know, I realise now that no matter how, how I'm serving or if it's not going right, I've got game, you know, I can hang in, I can fight, you know, and that's, that was pretty telling, I think, yeah. you know, because yeah, things can go wrong, um, but she's in for the, in for the long haul and she's got so much firepower. Um, she's kind of firmed. So outside of Siontek, I'm looking at Pagula Garcia Sabalenka as the ones, but hey, you better find it on the day. Absolutely. Well, we've got to go. Thanks for your time, mate. See you in Melbourne. Appreciate it. And uh, good luck with... Please don't cough on me when we get down to Melbourne. So, Wally Masur, John... Negative. Yeah, I I believe you. Uh, We're off to a quick break. Back in a moment with mornings. And that was the second hour of mornings with Adam Peacock. We're back in a moment, though. After the news straight up, we're going to have Christy Doran to talk a bit of rugby union. We've got some NFL chat with Dom's digging on the man cad and plenty else. Back in a moment after the news. Call anytime, 1300 01 1170 or text 0457 736 736. This is Mornings, right here on SEN. And it is great to have your company on Mornings with Adam Peacock. And uh, we've got some breaking news. Just before we get to uh, Christy Doran, um, we have the squad for the India Test Tour has just dropped for the Australian team that will uh, travel to India. And uh, Todd Murphy has got a start in the squad. Ashton Agar, Mitch Swepson and Nathan Lyon are all in the squad. Uh, yeah, and Peter Hanscom has made the uh, the touring squad as well. So this is for the tour, uh, the first test 
February 9 against India kickstarts a huge 2023 for the Australian uh, Test cricket team because they've got the Ashes uh, tour as well to come up. So India away, England away, win both of those series. And we're now talking this Australian Test team are uh, not only number one in the world, but one of the better Test teams or squads that we've had in recent memory. So the, the full squad for the Tour of India, Pat Cummins, Ashton Agar, Scott Boland, Alex Carey, Cam Green is there despite the finger issue. Of course, he was going to be uh, probably the, the, the number one pick for the number six position, the all-rounder. Peter Hanscom is back. Josh Hazelwood, Travis Head, Usman Khawaja, Manus Labashain, Nathan Lyon, Lance Morris, uh, Todd Murphy, Matty Renshaw, Steve Smith, Vice-Captain Mitch Stark, Mitch Swepson, David Warner. So, yeah, just incredible. Murphy um, played just the one first-class match prior to 2022 is in after some great performances over the last 12 months. And he's viewed as a bit of a long-term successor when it comes to Nathan Lyon as well. He's got the lowest average of any spin bowler on cricket.com.au. This is mentioned um, in the Shield with 14 wickets this season at an average of just under 18 as well. So no Adam Zampa, but Mitch Swepson is in, and so too is Ashton Agar and Todd Murphy as well. So, uh, yeah, heavy spin focus as it needs to be. India, their backyard, they turn sideways some of the pitches. So, yeah, they, they need to take those. And, uh, yeah, but Scotty Boland is there and uh, some options as well to partner Stark Cummins and uh, maybe Hazelwood. Uh, with Lance Morris in the squad as well. So very interesting squad just announced for the Tour of India. It's a big uh, big year for our men's national teams and women's national teams. So we've got those uh, those test tours as well for the men's team. The, the women are playing in uh, a series against Pakistan in the not-too-distant future as well. Uh, we've got the Matildas. We've got a World Cup later in the year with the football. And we've got a Rugby Union World Cup to look forward to for the Wallabies. And there's so much uh, interest when it comes to the Wallabies and in particular the coaching situation. Joining us now on Mornings to tell us more is Rugby Union reporter for the Raw, Christy Doran. Uh, Christy, morning, mate. Happy New Year. How are things? Happy New Year, Adam. And as you go through that cricket squad, geez, it's a good time to be a spin bowler at the moment, isn't it? Yes, I'm sure there's plenty of people who um, uh, tried to perfect the art over the summer in the backyard, um, getting <laughs> uncles and uh, cousins and things like that, and aunties uh, out trying to turn it sideways on uh, the green tops around the, the country. But, mate, Rugby Union, um, I'm fascinated by this story, so let's get into a bit of depth about the coaching situation. So with the Wallabies, um, a bit of hope that maybe we can get on a, you know, at least a semi-final run at the World Cup later in the year. Dave Rennie, though, is under a bit of heat after the spring tour, got to be honest. Eddie Jones is not under heat anymore because he got sacked by England. How does it all line up? What is the picture exactly right now in terms of Dave Rennie's job security with the Wallabies? Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, we'll we'll scroll back almost a year and and Rugby Australia wins the World Cup rights to 2027. And they've Two years before that, they've got a British and Irish Lions series. And, and the two of those, those tournament, the tournament and series against the Lions are, are really big money makers for the code down under. And we know that Rugby Australia has really struggled both on the field but also financially too. So uh, who's the best person to lead them um, beyond 2023? And they had set their eyes on a person who not only has proven international success, but 
is a headliner's dream and someone that allowed the Rugby Football Union in England to have headlines and stories for years and years and years, and that's Eddie Jones. So Rugby Australia certainly set their eyes, their target, fixated on Eddie Jones, and they've had meetings with him for quite a while. Um, when he gets sacked following a, a disappointing and underwhelming campaign in November, um, it, it certainly set the cat amongst the pigeons. And it goes, well, we don't want to miss out on Eddie Jones, who's an Australian. We've had three years of, of a New Zealander who's a, a really nice bloke, who's pretty well credentialed, hasn't won a tournament in quite a while, but is respected globally. Um, and, and, and they don't want to miss out on Eddie, who's got offers in Japan, uh, potentially in the United States, club offers in France. So uh, it, it was one of those ones where, well, what's what's the situation here with Eddie and, and how do we get him? How do we ensure we get him? And I think they'll still get him to 2024. But when you've got a, a Wallabies coach at the moment who's only got a winning percentage of 38%, and you've, England has just sacked a man over the last seven years. He's got a winning percent of 73, the highest thing, winning percentage of any England coach ever. A guy that's been to three World Cups and won one of them as a consultant with South Africa. It's made them reassess whether or not Dave Rennie is, in fact, the right person to take them through. Now, he's, he's the short odds to continue to go through to the World Cup, but you never know because if... The only chance was to get Eddie now to ensure that if you hand him either a three or a five-year deal to ensure that he's with the Lions or the World Cup, do you bring him in? And if he does come in, does Dave Rennie then go, well, hang on, I'm not comfortable working with this man. I've potentially got an offer in Japan. I might leave early. So there's a lot to consider over the next three weeks, which is when Eddie just told the Guardian the other day that he would, uh, expect that his future will be sorted in the next two to three weeks. So it's a really fascinating period right at the moment, less than nine months out until the World Cup in in, uh, in France. Yeah, it's, it, is, it is odd because and Rugby Australia, in a way, are rocking a hard place. So they've got to make the call now based on what they know, what not what they predict will happen through the course of Super Rugby. Who's going to be available? I'm presuming, Christy, that the Wallabies are playing a couple of mid-year tests in a, as a warm-up to the World Cup, you don't want to get to those tests and then go, oh, you know what, this ain't working. Let's go get Eddie. Oh, wait a minute. Eddie's got a job already. Who are we going to get? This yeah. isn't working with Dave Rennie. Do you, do you appreciate that kind of side of things for Rugby Australia's perspective? Well, there's five tests until the Rugby World Cup starts uh, in the middle of September and, and the Rugby Championships, so a test against uh, South Africa, over in South Africa, then Argentina and Sydney a game against the All Blacks in Melbourne and then one more across the ditch in Dunedin. And, and by that point in time, they'll make the, they'll name the World Cup squad, um, 33 players, and then they'll have a, a final warm-up match, which is still a test game against uh, France in Paris. Um, that would be, I think, August 22. So mm. um, five tests to get it right. You know, I, the, the big uncertainty about Dave Rennie at the moment is, yes, there's been a lot of injuries. And last year, the Wallabies used 51 players. But they've only once ever been able to string games together. They won five tests in 2021. Uh, and that had Quade Cooper there at number 10, predominantly had Simon Karevi uh, outside him at inside centre. 
But since then, on either side, they haven't been able to win consecutive games, which is quite remarkable. And mm. even last year, it was a good performance against Argentina, followed by a record loss, a, a great win in Adelaide against the world champions, and then a, a really uh, humbling defeat a week later in Sydney against the Springboks. A, a good showing against New Zealand, where they should have won in Melbourne, and then they go get smashed in Auckland a week later. So... Um, they struggled up. Uh, you know, they only managed two two victories on the Northern Hemisphere tour. Uh, narrow defeats a year earlier, but there's been a, a pattern of an inability to be able to get up and play consistently. And when you go to a World Cup, you've got to win at least three big games in a row in a quarter semi-final. But you've really got to win four or five straight matches because they'll be playing Fiji, followed by Wales, which will decide whether or not they get into it. They top their pool, and and they've got a dream run at this year's World Cup. They've, they'll either face an England or Argentina in a quarter final, whereas on the other side of the pool, other side of the draw rather, there's South Africa, Ireland, New Zealand, France, the four top-ranked nations in the world rugby rankings at the moment. So a semi-final is the bare minimum for the Wallabies this year, uh, and. Rugby Australia have got to determine whether or not they think that Dave Rennie can still get them to a semi-final because that is, that is to me, the pass mark. Can he? I mean, has he got the cattle? And this is the age-old problem with Australian rugby at the moment, given the, the development pathways and a lot of consternation about that. That, mm. And I can relate to it with what's happened in, in the football world, as you know, Christy, with, with the Socceroos and, and the like. But Michael Checker, um, I felt, was judged heavily on his performances solely and not looking in a wider sense that the cattle he had available, you, you look at the All Blacks and how many All Blacks would walk into a Wallaby side, <laughs> a few. Uh, is Dave Rennie been hamstrung by that? Or in your opinion, that's not much of an excuse. Too bad, work with what you got and you haven't been able to do it as well as perhaps you should have. Oh, I think if the World Cup was in 2020 and we were judging the talent on offer in Australian rugby at the time, you'd go, yeah, these guys are way too young. They're raw. They've got a handful of tests under their belt. It would be a legitimate excuse. But two, three years later, there was more than enough uh, talent on display that were fit and healthy in 2022 to, to have a better record than five from 14. Um, there's certainly enough talent. I know Eddie Jones thinks there's enough talent. I think Eddie Jones, from my understanding, would have Tate McDermott start at nine. Um, He's not... uh, Tate McDermott, the the changing, the chopping and changing at nine, at half-back, as well as at fly-half and full-back, three really key pivotal positions, um, uh, have been a bit of a merry-go-round. And we saw that even on the spring tour where he had three half-backs. So Dave Rennie says they're all world-class, yet hasn't been able to determine who his preferred nine and starting nine and, and mm. reserve nine are. Uh, they, they haven't been injured. Um, so I think it's been an excuse. And those that's, that continually refer to the injuries don't actually consider the, the fact that those in the key pivotal positions have been more than enough players that have been fit and healthy. So I, I think there is enough talent. Um, and... And there should be. There's five Super Rugby franchises. They've been able to pick guys from overseas. They were able to pick guys from overseas last year, three of them. Um, it, it's nothing short of an excuse to continue to just, just say there's not enough talent because there is. Uh, speaking of talent, um, so the 44-man camp uh, on the Gold Coast for the Wallabies, like, you know, a, 
a little sit around the campfire, kumbaya, let's all get on the same page and then go <laughs> off and play Super Rugby, come back and we'll all know what we want to do. Um, Vunavalu and O'Connor left out of that. Uh, reasons for that? And were you surprised yeah. if, if there were non-injury reasons? Well, this is another example that there is enough talent because Suli Bunavalu wasn't even brought on last year's spring tour. He was given two and a half minutes off the bench in one test match against England and Sydney. So when you when people say that there's not enough talent, well, there is. I, I've been extremely critical of how Dave Rennie has used um, and not used uh, Suli Bunavalu. The lack of player development is the thing that I'm concerned at and Bunavalu is a key person in that. Now, whether or not the States and the Queensland Reds have something to be blamed, share their blame there around him, that perhaps um, he's been hamstrung by a few hamstring injuries, but mm. um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, a weapon out wide. Um, Rennie said that he, he needs to see Suli Bunavalu let loose. Uh, I don't think he thinks he's running hard enough, tra- particularly on the training field, which is... Um, been always a big kind of marker for Dave Rennie, his training form. For whatever reason, maybe there's not enough trust in his legs or his body, but he apparently hasn't let loose on the training field. Um, James O'Connor, I just don't think he can deliver the game plan that Dave Rennie wants, which is a really technical, detailed game plan, which is something that Quade Cooper can do. And that's why, in Dave Rennie's mind, Quade Cooper is the first choice number 10 when he's fit and it's daylight second because he's just got this detailed, deep understanding of playmaking uh, and what it, what it, what a team needs to do to lead a side around the park. But the great conundrum and the great query at the moment is whether or not Quade Cooper is actually going to be fit for the World Cup because he's coming back from a rupture's Achilles and we all know that when you're 35 going on 36, the body doesn't quite heal like it does, and this is a man who's had a checkered injury run for the last decade. So they're some of the great concerns, is whether or not a Quade Cooper is going to be fit. And if and if you've decided to... I, I caught it spear James O'Connor last year. He got injured in the end in club rugby, but he was fit when he was axed and brutally axed after a big defeat in Argentina, which was his first start in a long, long time. So... Uh, he's been told, and same with Woody Balu, you've got to come back and impress me in, in Super Rugby and you've got to string games together. And the Queensland Reds have to look at themselves in the mirror and go, have what we've done in the last two years good enough? Because they've only beaten one New Zealand side in, I think, about 10 attempts. So they're going to be measured on how they perform against the New Zealanders. So look at yourselves, Queensland. It's a big rugby nursery up there. There's a lot of people saying we need more players in the Wallabies. Uh, we'll start beating New Zealand opposition. Well, good luck, Christy. When you get up to Queensland, you get some advice from uh, the, the, the crew up there who are listening right now. We're going to Queensland right now, but no, I get, I get your point. <laughs> I absolutely get your point. Hey, um, mate, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, let bygones be good bygones. You, you brushed us at Code Sports. You were doing some good stuff there, but now you're over at the Raw. And um, mate, good luck there. And look forward to reading your stuff uh, in a huge year for Australian rugby. There'll be plenty going on, no doubt. Likewise, Adam. Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers. Christy Doran joining us on uh, on mornings. And, um, yeah, get around, Christy, because uh, in, in this year with, with those storylines with Eddie Jones and also uh, Dave Rennie and, and the playing stocks as well, James O'Connor seems to not be able to avoid uh, 
avoid a headline, um, Chrissy will be all over it. And uh, you can read all about that on The Raw. We're off to a quick break. Um, we'll be back with plenty more on Mornings with Adam Peacock right after this. Yes, great to have your company on Mornings with Adam Peacock. In for Matty White, who is at the Beat Shack, and he'll be back next week, Matty, for his Mornings show. Uh, a reminder to stream every NFL game this season live on NFL Game Pass. Visit nflgamepass.com. Plenty of news about uh, NFL with the playoffs around the corner, uh, around the place as well. I'm going to pick Mark's brain a bit later in the show um, in the remaining uh, minutes that we've got. Uh, but before all that, we're going to go to Steve from Warwickmobile. Uh, Steve, you you love your football, mate. You got a question uh, for me about the uh, the bans handed down to Melbourne Victory yesterday, or the fines and the suspended points deduction that they copped. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are you travelling? Good, mate. Um, I was just yeah, yeah, going well, mate. Going well. Just um, what what happened was horrendous and should never happen. Mm. Um, I, it's probably the worst I can remember, but people will tell me there's been other stuff that's happened in Australia. But my thought is, and I'm not a victory supporter in any way or form, but if the flare doesn't go back into the crowd, do we have the riot? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't, I don't think we do. I don't think we have the riot. It is a good question, um, and it's a... a- Absolutely valid. Like there's there's a lot of oh what about this and what about that in terms of the, the reaction to this ride. If you, if you're just getting across it, December seventeen, that was the one where 150 victory fans ran onto the pitch and uh, the the protest was brewing about the fact that the APL sold the the A League's grand finals away from holding it in the the state that deserved to have it in terms of, or the the team that deserved to have it for finishing higher on the ladder, they sold it to Sydney for the next three years. Everyone was uh, up in arms about that. Victory fans were protesting at the the Derby city fans too, but it was, it it had a different feel to it, Steve. And I will say that Tom Glover didn't help the situation by flicking the flare. It was a smoke flare. It wasn't a, a, a lit flare. It was a smoke one, but still doesn't, doesn't excuse back into the crowd and that set them off. That was the trigger for them going over the fence. But they were saying, Victory fans all week and City fans were saying, we were going to walk out on 20 minutes. We were going to walk out of the stadium. I have the feeling, Steve, that there wouldn't have been a right, there wouldn't have been a bucket thrown at Tom Glover. However, those fans were coming on anyway. To, to, to be violent, probably not. But to make a point and carry on, yeah, they probably might have jumped on the goal and wanted to wreck the goal. But I, I, I get your point, Steve. I don't think there would have been the, the, the ferocity behind the pitch invasion, but there still would have been a pitch invasion. Yeah, I just, like, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Like, the same thing happened the game before, I think it was at Newcastle. Mm. And they were, they were all good about it. They just left. Yeah. But um, I, just, I just think if the flare went in any other direction, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have tipped over. Yeah. It might have got louder, but I don't think you would have got what you got. No. And at the agree. end of the day, and I'm not and I'm not saying it's all the goalkeeper's fault, but he had a part to play in it, I think. And he's been absolved of everything. Yeah, well, um the the, the reason that they didn't sanction him was that they said that the referee dealt with it on the pitch. Because he could have yeah. he he could have got given him the red card or yellow card, but I mean, obviously Alex King, the referee, who did a brilliant job on the night, his first and foremost priority was seeing the crowd come on and protecting Tom Glover, and he got in the way. So horrible situation, Steve. No winners out of any of this, least of all the game. Massive black mark, uh, black eye for the game, and and I don't know how it all 
Paul turns around, mate, but um, hopefully it does soon for, for Melbourne victory in the A-Leagues because, as we know, as we saw with the Socceroos, um, we're, uh, we're, a, we're a good side, um, the Socceroos, when we can uh, promote players through the A-Leagues. Hey, just a quick one. Do you think the overall sanctions, Steve, were, were fair? Um, I'm never a fan of suspended penalties because I think suspended penalties are just lip service. Um, if you're going to punish someone, you've got to punish them. Um, should it all have been on victory? Yeah, don't know. It was a city home game, I think. So if people are saying there wasn't enough security and all that kind of stuff, there's more questions that need to probably be answered. Fair enough. Thanks for the call, mate. Have a good day. Appreciate it. See you, mate. Steve from Rocknabeel, who uh, joins us uh, all the time on SEN, and um, great to get his thoughts on that particular sanctions. Yeah, the sanctions were a 10-point suspended uh, points deduction, not an immediate points deduction for Melbourne victory in the A-League men's. Um, but as he said, it's it's a bit like, you know, you're, you're trying to ground your, your kids for doing something stupid. Do you give them a suspended grounded sentence? No, you hit them straight up. Just a quick one on the text line, Green keeping rooster uh, about the Wallabies as well, talking to Christy Doran. Before the break, morning, Adam. I can't believe Australian rugby are just considering Eddie Jones. Australian rugby needs Eddie Jones, and they should just offer him the king's ransom and get him in there as coach. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Great to have your company. Last half hour of the Wednesday show on morning. So uh, only one half hour, two more days before normality resumes and professional resumes with Matthew White. Back from next uh, Monday, I've got Mark and Dom in here, which means if Dom's in here, he's gone digging. Gone digging again. Pink Panther investigating. Clouseau. Dom, what's the uh, the topic of choice today that you've investigated with a fine eye? Let's talk Mancat. 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 The, the most controversial topic, arguably in Australia right now, definitely in cricket, but... Uh, Obviously, the man cad when you're bowling and you fake the bowling action and get the batter at the non-striker's end out. Yep. The man cad, which was mm. named after Vino Mancad, the Indian great all-rounder, and it was made popular in 1947 in a test match against Australia after he got Bill Brown out while Sir Don Bradman was at the other end. I don't know if it was particularly popular with old Brownie. <laughs> I don't think time. it was either. But Sir Donald Bradman, has, before he passed away, came out and said, I'm fine with it. It's a legitimate dismissal. So, so. Why, is there, why is there discussion now, apart from maybe your left-wingers when uh, Saddam was um, kind of exposed a couple of weeks ago <laughs> as a uh, as an ardent conservative, um, <laughs> which was his choice. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, why why does everyone have a massive problem with this if Saddam said he was okay with it? As Saddam says, everything goes. Yeah, I think I have a problem with it personally, to be honest. It's not, in the, it's not in the spirit of the game. Cricket's a gentleman's game. It's a very respectful game. You Neither's know? backing up by three metres. <laughs> listen, listen. When we played cricket as juniors, we yeah. were taught, you give the batter a warning at least. Okay. Now yeah. it's just all in. Yep. So yeah, you're out. You give him a warning. You say, listen, mate, I've had enough of you. One more and you're gone. As someone who's a casual sport, or casual cricket fan, sorry. Stay in your crease or mancad every opportunity. <laughs> I just think every single ball you should be trying to mancad because it's that's the rules. Go over a gentleman's game. You're trying to win the game. None of this gentleman is. So we're divided in this studio. Yeah. But your digging today is focused on the fact that the mancad family are divided on it. Yeah, this is this is one of the best stories to come out of the whole mancad situation. So Vino Mancad, obviously, his mm. uh, grandson 
who was formerly number one ranked uh, Indian tennis player, Harsh. Harsh Mankat, I don't know if you remember him. He was the top singles player for the India's uh, Davis him. Cup team for, from 2000 to 2010. Okay. So, yeah. you know, say that as you will about his tennis ability. But anyway, he's come out and he said he loves it. He wants the Mancad name to stay because every time he hears it, reminds him of his, his late grandfather and it yep. brings back good memories, obviously. So okay. he's come out and said that. Yeah. But then he's uh, Vino Mancad's daughter-in-law has come out and said, nah, that's his opinion. We want it gone. Uh, Vino Mancad's son, who passed away in March, was in a high, highly touted d- dispute with the ICC about getting rid of the, the Mancad name. He passed away. His wife's trying to carry on his legacy. Okay. So they don't want to be associated with this. Not at all. Uh, she said it's too late. It's disrespectful. Um, Unfortunately, it's too late. Yeah. It's inappropriate to name a legitimate form of dismissal after him. That was her words. Well, it's not illegitimate. No, legitimate. Oh, a legitimate. That's what she's saying. She's saying it's essentially like naming an, a, an LBW uh, Shane Watson. You know, <laughs> that's what she's trying to claim, right? Or like, she thinks the man cat is a dirty move, and she doesn't want man cats <laughs> yeah. associated with the man cat. Backing up my point that the man cat is a dirty move. It's not a dirty. It like, is. It, it it's not. But uh, that's extraordinary. I don't think she's going to have much luck somehow. I don't think so either. I think the man cat's here to stay. But you know, that's just a really interesting story. The family's divided. That's her nephew, nephew, and auntie going at it, saying, "I want it. Why don't?" Okay. Yeah. Um. Is there any? Hope on the horizon for the anti-man catters out there, <laughs> as well. I don't. You got anti-vaxxers. Uh, oh, anti-man cat. You've got anti-man catters. Yeah. Are you talking about people that want to change the name or the rule? Because I'm an anti-man catter. The rule. The rule. Um, yeah. I think there is hope because there was like it was only made legitimate uh, last year by the ICC. But it's such a great name. It is. That's, that's man cat. I like it. I, I'm I'm happy to keep the name. But look, for me, it's almost like in boxing. If someone's turned around, you king hit them from behind. Would that no, be, I no. feel like it's pretty similar. No Absolutely not. No one gets hurt. They just get <laughs> Their out. Their feelings get hurt. Their feelings get hurt. Well, feelings can well, be repaired. Can, can I say, in the uh, ODI between India and Sri Lanka, so uh, one of the Sri Lankan batsmen was on 98. Three mm. balls left. Sri Lanka needed, I think, 70 to win off the last three balls. He's on 98. He's on the non-striker's head. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> mm. <laughs> Sorry, then um, uh, Rohit Sharmi. No, that's uh, Rohit Sharmi overtake this. But one of the bowlers has man-catted the Sri Lankan captain who was on 98 with three balls to Rohit go. Sharma did it? No, no, no. Rohit Sharma. I'm trying to find. as Muhammad Sharmi. Apologies. Sharmi. Okay. Muhammad Sharmi's come in and he's yep. man-catted the Sri Lankan captain on 98 with three balls to go. India had won the match convincingly and he man-cads in. <laughs> And then Indian captain Rohit Sharma comes out and says, no, we're not going to appeal that. Let's, really? Let's do it again. Okay. Sri Lankan captain gets on strike and gets his uh, century. Yeah. Muhammad Chami, he strikes me as a – we've seen him a few times down here in uh, Australia. He doesn't strike me as a guy that, like, yeah. Um, uh, Ashwin, yeah. Ravi Ashwin, he yep. was the one. He, he, he's been known to, to do it from time to time. But <laughs> Muhammad Chami doesn't strike me as a guy who goes looking for that. So – this guy must have been backing up by about 10 metres. Not really, no. He's kind of just slightly out of his crease. And if you see the photo, he look, there's the photo there. I know the viewers can't see it, but he's like probably a metre out of his crease when he's been man-catted. Ooh. So he's had that in mind before he's bowled the ball. He's gone, he's, he's yeah. gone early a couple of times. So, I'm going to get rid of it. So him. the batter's cheating. <laughs> the batter is that's not what it, That's what it is. We Stay are... in your crease until the ball has been bowled. Did no. you play cricket as a kid, yes. Adam? Yeah, were you taught, when you were taught in the early stages of cricket, 
Yeah. You can get a couple steps up no. when the bowler's You're walking in. You're talking to back up. Be on the move. Oh, that's not what I was But stay in your crease. I think that's the difference between the Northern Beaches and the southwest of Sydney. Yeah, we play by the rules. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. Cheating southwest and Sydney. <laughs> you said it. I didn't no, say no, it. No. I did not say that. Okay? I want to absolutely iterate that I did not say that. Anyway. Uh, thank you for that update. No. Tom's good. digging. Good app. Good app. Anyway, uh, we're off to a quick break. We've got um, things to wrap up and people to see and things to talk about after the break in the mornings. I don't know what, but we'll find out after the break. Yeah, welcome back. A bit of an NFL update right now. Listen uh, live to SEN every Monday morning from 5 a.m. for all the live action of the NFL from the U.S. As it unfolds, playoffs around the corner. SEN has taken the NFL to the Neds level this season. Thanks to the Neds. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Resident NFL Nuffy. Mark. Quick update, mate. Um, quick one on the Chicago Bulls. We mentioned the other uh, Bulls, Bears, <laughs> the other day about taking the number one draft pick. Do they go with that? They won it because the Houston Texans won, um, got it done in the late game to get away from the two, the the number one draft pick. What's the latest there? The latest is that the Bears have not ruled out taking a quarterback in number one. So the the kind of Ooh. thought is that they had a really good year for their second year quarterback, Justin Fields. Really young, really athletic. One of these quarterbacks that can throw the ball, um, which is okay at throwing the ball. You, you come on a lot, but they finally utilized his legs. He can run. So it's when you're a, du- a dual threat quarterback, you're extra dangerous in the NFL. Okay. The, mm. He had a really good year this year, really came on strong. But the Bears general manager, Ryan Pauls, has said, well, we're not saying we're not taking a quarterback. And <laughs> who knows what might happen? I, I think I think it's a bit of bluff, just trying to... Try to Negotiating. Yeah, get, you, that, get that bargain up. Pull the price off of the, the picks. As he you could probably get... Uh, two first round picks and a second and a player. He can mm. make a, a treasure chest of, of picks that can help build the squad for many years as long as they trust the coach that they've got right now to do that. Okay. Uh, any other coaches sacked? Or? Yeah, the offensive coordinator uh, of the uh, Washington Commanders, Scott Turner, he's been fired. The coach, Ron Rivera, is one of he's one of the favorite people in the NFL. He, he overcame cancer a couple of years ago, yeah. came back whilst he was still fighting cancer, fought that and was o- over the moon that he's there. But I think he's a bit over the hill potentially now as a coach. Yeah. And he has, uh, yeah, he's not made the decision to sack his offensive coordinator, I don't think. But something had to change there, or he was probably the one getting sacked. Okay. So fair enough. It's a, it's a bit it's a bit annoying. I gotcha. And some player news as well, just quickly. Yeah, Roquan Smith, the uh, linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens, he was traded from the uh, Chicago Bears mm. to uh, the 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 Ravens. He wanted. Lots and lots of money, and <laughs> the Bears weren't willing to pay him lots and lots of money. They traded him to the Ravens, and now the Ravens are giving him a big old contract. Five years, $100 million, this is US, including $45 million in guarantees. $45 million guaranteed. He could get injured tomorrow. He's already got $45 million in his back pocket. That's Julian King areas, uh, the guarantee he's got here at SEN, <laughs> uh, the host of Afternoon. Gets you a granny flat in Sydney, mate. 45 mil. <laughs> Thank you for that update, Mark. Okay. Jules, how are you? You've got afternoons coming up. What's uh, what's on the menu? Yeah, Pat Wood from Sydney FC. He's a proud Northern Beaches boy. I don't yep. know if you see him around that part of the world. Keen surfer to Collaroy boy. Patty Wood. Uh, Academy product. Moment. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's been a frustrating season for the Sky Blues, as you know. We'll catch up with him. Brett Phillips to talk all things tennis, and uh, we'll discuss this test squad for India named as well. No big surprises there. The four spinners, of course. No Marcus Harris. No. Uh, Peter Hanscom himself getting a reprieve, which means I've got this wonderful segment I do called What's in a Name Wednesday. Yeah. Where we pick a name, 
everybody gives their sporting nominations and then we whittle it down to the top ten at the end. So sporting Peters, uh, dare I say Peters. Pete's and Peters. I dare I say Pete Sambris will be there. Yes. Um, Peter Norman, I suspect, will be there. Very good. I don't think Peter Hanscom will be there. No. It could uh, be a nomination. Could be a nomination. Like a, you know, recency bias. Yeah, yeah. Peter Tunks. Peter Tunks. Tunksy too tough. It's a good one to think about. Peter Peters, does he get a double vote? Zorb. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Yes, with the the remainder S. Daryl Braithwaite. That's one of my favourite pieces of trivia about, oh, people, it wasn't written by him, what? Yeah. It's like, hang on, all along the Watchtower wasn't written by Jimi Hendrix? No. Hey, Joe, either. Locomotion wasn't written by Kylie Minogue. <laughs> yeah, Ricky Lee Jones, she had a lovely song called Chuck E's in Love and, and Walt Becker, one half of Steely Dan. I've seen them live in concert, Steely yeah. Dan. Here it is. That's quite pleasant. This is the original yeah, of the pleasant. horses. I think it's pleasant. That's all right. Yeah. As Mark pointed out, it's a bit like walking into a five-star hotel and someone's playing the piano and mm. belting out a bit of cabaret, and it's, uh, yeah, yeah. it's this. A bit of fountain in the background. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of Daryl Braithwaite, and I'm showing my age here, I actually have, well, I had a 45. I don't know if Mark knows what a 45. A 45 of his single, All I Do. This would have been late 80s. All I Do? Yeah. Don't, don't know. I don't know how... What was it, the other? It was one summer. One summer. Um, horses. Yeah. And Daryl had another massive hit. Yeah, he had 74 a, today, Daryl, by yeah, the way. 74. You're yeah. looking pretty good for 74. He's going good. He's going really, He's going better than Kenny Loggins, who who ripped off horses as well. I was not aware of that, actually. Mm. Uh, can't until you played it. I heard it on the way in. <laughs> he's more of a footloose and highway to the danger zone sort of guy, you know, of Top Gun fame. Kenny Loggins. As the days go by, Daryl Bray. That's the one. Thank you. But there's Kenny Loggins mm. doing his best with the horses. Have go you on. seen Footloose, Mark? No, of course not, Kevin Bacon. You know I've not watched any of about He hasn't even seen Jerry Maguire. Oh, are you kidding me? Jill knows I haven't watched any A man <laughs> who fights for his rights to dance in a town that is banned dancing. And John Lithgow was the baddie. There yeah. you go. Uh, Mancad, you know, yes. this is the name that won't go away. He's known now, of course, for running at Bill Brown and the, the 48 Tour of India. And Bill Brown didn't care. Bradman didn't care. Brownie took it well. But let me tell you a bit of trivia. Mancat is the only player in test match history, even in Mancat, to have two double hundreds and two tenfers. So he's not just wow. known for the Roatzna, which is run out at the non-striker's end. Are you going to call it the Roatzna? The Roatzna. What about if the Roatzna family come out and blow up about the fact that they've... They are divided, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. They're a collaboration of acronyms. A big schism in the Mancat family. <laughs> the do, do you cop that, that the Mancat family don't want it named after it's funny, themselves? It's a funny one, isn't it? I think because of the context in which it was done, they thought, oh, you know, is this, is this unfair? Uh, maybe there's sort of a pejorative connotation to the name Mancat. Mm. Uh, that, that's sort of the thinking. Um, but, you know, on the flip side of that, it keeps the name alive. I'm, I'm not offended by it at all. No. No. But your name's not Julian Mancat. No. Maybe I should change it to Julie Mancad. Maybe. I don't Where know. you can get Mancad personalised number plates. Yeah, I'm complete. Just quickly, you're yeah. a massive cricket fan. Um, I'm okay with it because it's, you know, it's backing up. I don't mind the idea of, hey, knock it off. Mm. Otherwise, like Starkey did, mm. it, but Mitchell Stark said mm. he'd never do it. Um, where do you stand on the whole thing? I'm okay with it. I'm yeah. okay. It, it, if, I think we're going to find it becomes more and more normalised and less controversial as the months mm. and years go on. Jeez, it's really taken off the man cat, hasn't it? It's mm. been around since 1948. Yeah. The last couple of years, it's just taken off. But just the, the shock horror. How dare you? I said, mate, you're backing up. You're out of your crease. I mean, you could get a, a freight train through that mm. gap, and now you're crying unfair because you tried to cheat a run. Yeah. You know, this this is what I I, I would never, under, never understand. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, look forward to the afternoons and look forward to everyone listening. Think long and hard. 
great Peters. Peter George. Peter George? South Australian fast bowler. Wow. He played, what, one test, I think, PG? Peter Crouch. Peter Crouch. Robot it's quite man. a funny individual, Peter Crouch. Good man. Yeah, big unit. Good one. Famous Peters. Keep them coming on the afternoons. We're going to be back uh, to wrap up mornings right after this.